0: Podcasting the remarkably crowded frontier. These are the conversations of two brothers and their mom. Their 13 episode mission to explore strange old movies. To seek out new bits and jokes. To boldly go where no mom has gone before.
1: Welcome to our second Kelvin episode of Where No Mom Has Gone Before, a Night Shift Radio original. Uh, We are here to discuss the Star Trek Wrath of... No, I'm sorry. We're here to discuss Star Trek Into Darkness. I'm your captain, Casey Ryan.
2: I'm your first officer, Colin Ryan.
1: And Admiral on the bridge, we have our mom. Laura Ryan. I'm
2: here. I, I, I have a question. You said it's the third Kelvin movie, but how many movies are we in on the Fahrenheit scale?
1: Oh, boo. It's also the second. I know you want to skip to the one that everyone likes more.
2: I know,
1: right? (laughs) (laughs) we got to talk about Into Darkness before we can move to beyond, which I don't actually like that much. Into Darkness. (laughs) Uh, Oh, boy. This is, you know, we've made the jokes about how this is a, Wrath of Khan with some cheese put on it and reheated in a microwave, maybe you won't notice. And we talked about it when we did Star Trek Nemesis. Now, to timestamp this episode. I don't I think I'm the only one here who got to this week's Strange New Worlds, but last week's Strange New Worlds did Wrath of Khan the right way. You take the ideas and the things that make Wrath of Khan great and put it in a new story. Don't take the story and put it in a new story. I haven't seen that one yet. Oh, it's oh, that's a good episode. It's so what? good. Uh, how
2: many? How many? I know, don't know. Three, I think.
1: Then you should be on it. It's the third. O-
2: well, no, it's the fourth episode. Oh, it was, wasn't it? What was the last thing? The last one you watched? I don't know. Well, what what, <laughs> what happened in it?
0: I don't know. Were I don't remember space? what I
2: had for they, breakfast this morning. They were in
1: space, weren't they? Yeah, they were in space, whirling around. No one's watched today's episode, right? Except for me? I haven't. I haven't. I I, Mildest of spoilers, the green wrap around shirt makes an appearance, and oh, my God, and oh my God, I want it so bad. Yeah. <laughs> You told uh, me it was in leather. It's leather. They're fully making Christopher Pike a rockabilly in this show. Well, <laughs> I, I,
2: lo- I really liked, in the third episode, the one, the last one you saw, Mom, where they where there was on the planet and the fire people. <laughs> yes. Those those away jackets. I was like, oh, I'll take one of those things. Oh,
1: yes. I'll, oh, yeah. But
2: I, I haven't coveted an away jacket that much since The Wrath of Khan.
1: Sure. Yeah. It's like, I want the Wrath of Khan um, field jacket plus the uniform. Nemesis first contact uh, uniform and Christopher Pike screen wraparound. Oh, and the Captain Picard action jacket from the uh, series. Yeah, those are the ones um, I want. But unfortunately, well, we are not here to talk about Strange New Worlds because yeah, that would be better. Oh god, so much better. You know,
2: uh, uh, the, I found things to enjoy in this movie which I wasn't expecting. I do think that the acting still is the thing that... that, And I'm I'm, I'm starting to develop a pet theory that J.J. Abrams is actually better at casting movies than directing them. Sure. 100%. You know, like, everybody in this is really good. And he's good at, at like, close-ups. Particularly giving a close-up where information or decisions play across an actor's face mm-hmm. with... Non-verbally Yeah There are a lot of nice moments Where that happens Where they take a beat A non-verbal beat And it's, it's It's like a television Technique right Like He comes out of television You know I loved his first Television show Um and felicity for <laughs> those of you keeping score at home, yes. And it had a ton of moments like that, right, where you would he would just be like, "Look, I got Carrie Russell. She's a great actor. I'm just going to let the camera watch her make a decision non-verbally." And I, I think that that is a great skill. Mm-hmm. And maybe the last nice thing I have to say about it, I don't
1: know. <laughs> uh, well, I love his second television property, uh, Alias. Hello, Jennifer Garner. Oh, right. um, I mean, right there, you, you say he's great at casting. If Lena Olin and Victor Garber had a child, it would kind of look like Jennifer Gardner. Like, but, that is a but beautiful. Even, and, and they're all just so fantastic.
2: And I haven't watched
1: Alias since it first
2: aired, and I think you've probably rewatched it. Mm. But my memory of it is, despite having some pretty good action sequences, it was also fundamentally a show about People talking. Yep. There was one particular moment of cinematography in this that stood out as glaringly worse than what it was attempting to reference. Uh, oh,
1: interesting. Yeah. Okay.
2: Yeah. I just. I just think.
1: Yeah. Okay.
2: Well, we'll get there. But, but I do. I do think what saves this movie and makes it watchable is the great cast that he put together for the last film and the uh, you know excellent semi-surprise guest star (laughs) that he brought on board for this one.
1: Nobody knew that was happening, did they? We all all knew it was happening. To the point where Abrams, look, if you haven't watched the movie and you don't want to be spoiled by it, stop now, watch the movie, but we all knew Benedict Cumberbatch was con. We're not idiots. Oh, I thought you were talking about Spock. Oh, 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 no, we yes. knew that was, well, we, we, that was, Actually, a, I didn't know he was going to be in it. No, I didn't, but that was fun that he showed up and that was, that uh, it was his last film appearance.
0: Even though he said he wouldn't, would not be in the film. He originally said no.
2: He passed away not too long after. Two right? years. Oh, okay. Well, like a year and a half, but it, yeah. Well, mom, what did you, uh, mom, had yes. you seen this movie b- before? I know you couldn't quite remember if you'd seen it before.
0: Uh, I had seen it before. Yes. Mm-hmm. But and did you yeah. have
2: an opinion about it before?
0: If I did, I don't
2: remember. <laughs> You've got to remember,
0: Colin. I don't have your memory. I don't remember things like you do. All right. So
2: so what? how did it strike you this time?
0: Today I watched it, and I mm-hmm. said the last 20 minutes of it could have been just done away with.
2: You know, I had that same note that it could have been... Uh, I still still would have had a lot of problems with the movie, but I think I would have given it a whole extra letter grade. Not that we do letter grades here, but, you know, in my mind, Mm -hmm. a whole extra letter grade if it had stopped right after. Are we just going to go ahead and just say? Yeah, we're going to go through the plot, but yeah. Right after Kirk
0: died. Yeah, and they they didn't have to.
2: And no no con scream and no last 20 minutes, Right.
0: Right, no, and and they didn't use all of his blood, and they figured out the whole thing, and you know that would have brought him back.
2: They
1: didn't cure death. <laughs> one step, <laughs> one step further. If he had, if he had stayed John Harrison, hmm. if it had just been John Harrison, he could have even been a eugenics enhanced human, and they could have referenced yes, in the nineties there were the eugenic wars, reference con that way, but just make him John Harrison. This movie goes up. for me. The fact that they are just ramming Khan down our throats. Like, you like Khan, right? You like him? There you go. So you know just that there, pisses are, me off.
2: there are fan theories and fan oh, canons God. of a, a, a go-go that this is not actually Khan, right?
1: But he's a, like a Khan supporter and he's just taking on the name or something that he's yeah. actually John Harrison.
2: Well, or that some people actually think he's um, Joachim, you know, the guy who in Wrath of Khan, who was the only other speaking role in Khan's band of merry motorcycle thieves.
1: No. I don't remember him because he wasn't in the credits at the end.
2: That's right, because he had a terrible <laughs> agent and wasn't in the credits. Um, Oopsie! <laughs> but that guy who actually, the actor, kind of resembles Cumberbatch. Mm-hmm, or rather, mm-hmm. both, both the actor and Cumberbatch resemble Otters.
1: But... <laughs> uh, they uh, did you say otters? Oh, you yes, Benedict about... Cumberbatch. Oh, uh, we'll have to send it to you. Benedict Cumberbatch looks like an otter.
2: In this movie, the only really ottery moment was when he was uh, getting rid of um, of Marcus. Amo- Marcus. He had real yeah. big time otter energy there. But um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, that, that, so he and he's pretending to be con. A lot of people have have done that as a way of explaining a lot of things, Uh, namely, most obviously,
1: why is he suddenly white and British? Um, (laughs) That's a perfect segue into my Cadet Hopefuls. All right. Let's hear it. Let's do that. Okay. So (laughs) I'll start with Con, and I've got some other fun things. But uh, apparently, and this is just one thing that I saw. I'm not sure how real this was. Mickey Rourke. Was considered to play Khan Union Singh.
2: Uh, I think that may have something to do with his increasing late in life resemblance to, you know, the sort of long haired Khan of the movie.
1: Hmm. Yeah, yeah, it would have been a bad choice, but yeah, probably. Now, originally Benicio del Toro was in early talks to mm-hmm. play John Harrison, yeah. aka, AKA Khan. Then, uh, oh man, I am not even going to attempt to pronounce these three names, but three um, names (laughs) of the south of the equator type names. um, And I apologize. I'm not going to even try and pronounce their names. And then suddenly we went for a pasty white guy. Yeah. It was very clear they were going for that Latin American feel. And then suddenly they're just like, let's just cast a white guy who's really popular right now. Right. Well, if I recall, is this this sort of his
2: big film break, War Horse, was two years earlier. Yeah, but he didn't play the horse in that,
1: right? I mean, no, but he but it, he like, was in that, and because of that, Spielberg recommended him to Abrams, who obviously Abrams was like, "Yeah, sure, whatever you say, Steven. I love you." Well, but before that, I mean, so
2: he'd done he'd already done uh, Sherlock at this point. Sure, he was a
1: name, yes, but not um, like maybe a, a name name like he like. Now, yeah, this is still the time where people, uh, oh, wait, but actually couldn't mispronounce his
2: name. But he'd done, um, he'd done the his bit of smog in the Hobbit
1: films by this time, right? No, this was uh, that December, uh, Desolation of Smog. Oh, yeah, okay, because I remember seeing this in the theater when he went, you know, my name is Khan, I went, yeah, he can play dragon. Okay. Yeah. Because um, up to that point, he was, you know, doing his standard uh, British man voice. I'm like, hmm,
2: you're going to be a dragon. I mean, he's, he's great in it, right? He's a great actor. He's kind of playing evil Sherlock here, right? Sure. But mm-hmm. but it is.
1: It pales in comparison to what.
2: Pun intended. <laughs> and. Uh, let
0: me read this. All right, Mom. Oh, okay. Okay. Bob Orsi, address cons. <laughs>
2: Casting. Are you are you on a first-name basis with <laughs> Roberto Orsi?
0: <laughs> no, it's just I'm reading from my piece of paper No, here. he's, he's okay. often
2: known as Bob, yeah. Okay,
0: go uh, okay. ahead. Basically, as we went through the casting process and we began honing in on the themes of the movie, it became uncomfortable for me to support demonizing anyone of color, particularly anyone of Middle Eastern descent or anyone evoking that yeah one of the points okay. of the movie is that we must be careful about the villain within us, not mm. some other
2: race right Now I thought that was a good point. it is a and good point, but it, they wrote themselves into that corner right because Khan is- again just make it
1: John Harrison well, and Khan- we don't have to worry about right, it right
2: because Khan isn't a terrorist in either Space Seed or Wrath of Khan, right? He doesn't engage in suicide bombings and those sorts of things and that, right?
1: Yeah, they wrote themselves into that, yeah.
2: They could have written a movie about Khan that didn't, I think, somewhat crassly evoke all sorts of, you know, War on Terror era stuff. But, Mom, you have something else to say?
0: Um, Well, uh, George Takei made the statement that... uh, Takei. Takei, Takei. Sulu, was also disappointed with the casting as he thought it would have been better to cast Cumberbatch not as an established villain like Khan, but as a new character, which is what we've all said. And then they complained that Hollywood.com criticized the casting of the actor as Khan Nunyan Singh, saying that the character had been, quote, whitewashed into oblivion. Unquote. Since mm-hmm. Khan is an explicitly non-white character in the Star Trek canon, introduced as a Sikh and former ruler of much of Eastern Eurasia. And I guess some Sikhs were not real happy with the casting either. Um, they say it's a mistake of the producers. I'm not critical of the actor or his talent, just the casting.
2: Well, let, we'll just say... You know, for the sake of saying it for the record, Sikhism is a religion, not a race. But, obviously, right. the vast majority of Sikhs are are of Central and uh, South Asian descent, not British dudes named Cumberbatch. And, uh, and they also wear big turbans, which the original Khan did not. Yeah, well, I mean, this comes into, uh, you know, he's identified... By Marlon McGivers in Space Seed is a seed, and it's it's implied or used in a sense in a way to indicate him as being ethnically, uh, whereas obviously it is not an ethnic designation. It is like many world religions, a world a religion which overlaps strongly with certain ethnicities and certain ethnicities even within South Asia broadly. But you know, there I'm sure somewhere in the world there's a. See who looks white, but you know, it's... And so, you know, who knows if Khan was intended to be practicing Sikh, probably not. It seemed like the only thing he would have worshipped was himself, but... It, well, well, Power. It's not like a Mexican guy playing a South Asian guy isn't and, and in pretty obvious brownface, in the at least in Space Seed, though they oh, dropped yeah. it for Wrath of Khan, it, uh, that's not great. Sure, but it does it does feel like we're going backwards here. But wasn't this about the same time that Johnny Depp played Tonto? Yeah. And it was just like a real era of being like, wow, we're, we're going to do worse than the 50s and
1: 60s in, in Kate Rachel <laughs> casting. That doesn't seem good. <laughs> and even to the point where somehow they make British man Benedict Cumberbatch paler than he is in other things. He's paler, and they seem like they lighten his eyes up, too. It's interesting. There
2: must have been a ton of reshoots for him on this. Mm-hmm. I don't wanna you know, again, we don't like to be all about the nitpicks, but the the eternal truth is you notice things more when the movie isn't very good. Um, <laughs> his length of his hair varies wildly. Oh yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: All it's up, it's down I mean I literally had a notice like did they give him a haircut after they got off Kronos?
1: You know? Yeah, it, <laughs> yeah. It, it it's very clear all the Kronos stuff is obviously when he's also shooting Sherlock. Because it's, yeah, it, it's that it's, Sherlock it's, cut. It's, it's the Sherlock hair, right, exactly. Just straightened, and also, I, I I seem to remember when I watched Sherlock, uh, whatever season this was, suddenly Sherlock was really good at hand-to-hand combat, and I'm like, this must be after Into Darkness. Cause he well, canonically, this- Sherlock
2: Holmes is good at hand-to-hand combat. But,
1: the but- fir- I think it was series three that, that came after Into Darkness, and like the first two series, he was just kind of like, hmm, I'm a, you know... I'm really? trying to remember if he did any of the in in the first two He I, I distinctly remember not seeing it and suddenly he's just like, I'm gonna kick your ass and I'm like, Oh, wait a minute, hang on. <laughs> yeah. I mean this is if we were arguing about where this comes
2: or discussing where this comes in his career. It certainly cements him as a guy who can be in su- you know, in summer tent pole action blockbusters, right? Mm-hmm. He's not in any, he's not really in any. I mean, Warhorse was was Oscar Beatty, but he's not a big
1: part in Warhorse, is he? Again, I it. haven't seen it. Is he the horse? <laughs> he may be. Okay. I mean, he played a dragon, so yeah. he could play a horse too. You've seen the footage of him playing the dragon, right? Playing Smaug, it's the best thing either. <laughs> if anybody listening
2: hasn't seen that and hasn't seen this movie, you will find the, the footage of him crawling around on the ground making dragon faces much more
1: entertaining than this movie. It's so good. Okay, a couple more. um, uh, Actually, just one more because there's only one more new character that has any kind of uh, clout in the movie. Uh, Dr. Carol Marcus was uh, originally considered for it was Sophia Miles. I don't know who that is. I don't either. But apparently it was because she bears a physical resemblance to B.B. Bish. Mm-hmm. To who? Uh, the original uh, Cara Marcus from Star Trek Two. Okay. Hallie Atwell. Yes, please. D- anytime you can cast Hallie Atwell, cast Hallie Atwell, because she's fantastic. And Teresa Palmer, which I get. I get that, too. Again, who, who's Teresa Palmer? She was in, did you see um, Hacksaw Ridge? I didn't. Okay, she plays his wife in that. She kind of has an Alice Eve is she also inexplicably British? She is inexplicably Australian.
2: Okay. Well, just, just just so that we know that somehow blowing up the Kelvin would change where Carol Marcus grew up
1: and acquired her native dialect. The shockwave <laughs> from it pushed her slightly over into England. She's yeah, like, Who? yeah, yeah. She What's all up? this then? Hello? Um,
2: boy, you know, poor Alice Eve. She actually is fine in this movie. She's fine. Um, She's serviceable. Th- it's just, it is just such Ooh, com- nasty compared to uh, your mind went there,
0: not mine. Um, <laughs> Casey's will- still got
1: this bl- blank look no, on I mean, his head. No, I got it. We we will uh, talk about the scene in this movie well, 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 yeah, that well, the writers that is- and producers had to come out and apologize for because the Star Trek fandom was like, "You son!"
0: And she made a statement. That she did not feel objectified. She agreed that's, that the scene was fine. I, it's good that
2: she didn't feel objectified, but she but was like literally, she was objectified
1: like that. I, if she didn't feel it, that's great. But it's, it. I felt insulted as a viewer because it. You know we would have I mean? understood what was happening I, in that scene if it had been the over the shoulder the whole time. Well, I
2: mean, we just we're getting back to this whole like why does New Kirk disrespect women so <laughs> gr- gratuitously, but. Yeah. um...
1: Oh, so because he's still very young. Yeah. Well, we're, we're yeah. in the next movie we're into the five year mission. We're into where it would be for TOS. Well, no, we, we still wouldn't be
2: because they're getting the five year mission early. Because I mean, so well, we'll talk about this as we. We're, well,
1: we're I guess, of, yeah. Should we just start? Should we just start talking about the movie? Well, I have two more things. Yeah. One is, uh, in case you didn't know, this movie was presented in, in 3 I I can't theaters. remember if I saw it that way. Oh, I did. Uh, well, if you didn't, you know when they're like, hey, Con, we need some of your blood. Okay, here yeah. you go. Here's my hand. You're just like, what is happening? Well, he didn't shoot it in 3-D. That's the interesting thing. Did you get that note yeah. too, Mom? I saw it. Yeah, I didn't copy it down. Uh, because it. I figured you'd get it. Paramount wanted it shot in 3-D. But Abrams wanted to shoot it in two dimensional using IMAX cameras. Yeah, he was big on IMAX. A lot of people still are. I mean, mo- uh, all of uh, Infinity War and Endgame pretty much are shot in IMAX cameras. To compromise, uh, this is the first feature film to be shot in an IMAX and converted to 3D post production. One of the people who plays the cello in the orchestra for this film, Dermot Mulrooney, the actor. Played the cello in the orchestra. Yes, he is a classically trained cellist and occasionally plays in recording sessions for soundtracks. That is possibly the weirdest trivia I've ever heard. Ever. That's <laughs> all, cool. Mr. Mulrooney. Maybe you should just stick to that because you're not that very good of an actor. Oh, I liked him. Did, oh wait, did, am I am I confusing him with Was he the Was he the He was in my best friend's wedding. Was he the one? Julia Roberts was. Getting was at, married. Yeah, no, he's not very good.
2: Oh, do, do you watch him watch Righteous Gemstones?
1: Is he on that? Yeah, he's funny on that. He was. Uh, he had a stint on Friends, and he was very annoying on that.
2: Yeah, he
0: was. He was very annoying on Friends, but he was supposed to be.
1: Yeah, but like uh, annoying in the fact that he wasn't a very good actor. Mm. Oh.
0: Well, uh, but I hope I, he's not listening. But
1: I enjoyed.
2: If the, he is, I think you're a good actor, Dermot and, and I enjoyed all the cello parts of the score. Sure, I did. They were beautiful. That's why I'm saying maybe stick to the cello because
1: <laughs> the score oh, still <laughs> the
2: score stood out <laughs> a little so less. It, was it? I forgot to look. Was it? Uh, it's G- oh, yeah. Giacchino? Oh, yeah. 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 It it stood didn't stand out as much. I still do like the the main the new main theme the Kelvin universe.
1: You know what I really like, theme? and I think it happens in the third one too. Is when the Paramount stars coming in and all that 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 build in the music to boom the first scene. I hope if we get a fourth one, they continue that theme. That's a good way to get you in the mood no. for you know hyperactive it's Star Trek. Star Trek. Yeah. <laughs> all right. uh, we
2: should just flag before we start talking to it that this is the most expensive Star Trek movie ever made, mm-hmm.
1: and it didn't even break the top ten for movies of 2013.
2: I mean it made 467 million dollars. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah no I mean 2013 was a big blockbuster year and it didn't it didn't do the numbers they wanted. Uh, I don't and then so beyond I did not spend as much money.
1: Uh I don't think. Uh it may have. There's a lot in that one too. It, it it's,
2: it's been spent about it spent a little less.
1: Oh did it. Uh, okay. and,
2: yeah and then does not make nearly as much, um, but <laughs> I was—I I was our whole thing we've threaded through here about does Star Trek do better when it doesn't have as much money, you know. It, this no—I don't know if anybody thinks this is the best Star Trek movie, probably including J.J. Abrams, and uh, <laughs> yeah. and yet it was the most expensive. So it's just an interesting uh,
1: thing to note. One last thing, going back to Strange New Worlds for a second, seeing classic. Enterprise, rendered mm-hmm. in uh, Computer Generation, man, it makes me hate this Enterprise design. It really does not jive for, with me. I, I never disliked it. I was just like, it's fine, whatever. It looks like a hot rod. But seeing... Well, that's the
2: thing. They turn it into a car.
1: Yeah. seeing the original ship again in her glory, and I'm just like,
2: okay. Yeah. There's, a, there's an interesting, uh, remind me to talk about cars when we get to something about cars in this movie.
1: Uh, Oh, is it, why are there cars in the future? That's exactly what it is, (laughs) yeah, yeah. We'll get there, okay. We'll get there.
2: (laughs) Go ahead, Mom. Well,
0: I've got a question after, like, the second sentence, but, okay, in 2259, Mm -hmm. Captain James T. Kirk is removed from command of the starship USS Enterprise for violating the Prime Directive after exposing the ship to the primitive inhabitants of the planet Nibiru, I knew I was going to blow it, Nibiru, mm-hmm. in order to save them and Spock from a cataclysmic volcano eruption. Now, I've got a question. Did anybody ever consider doing a movie and bringing up a follow-up to these people after what they saw and see how they developed? I thought that would have been an interesting storyline.
2: It, it should have been this
1: movie, right? It, yeah.
0: No, no, that wouldn't have been enough time. I would say maybe... Twenty-five or thirty years in the future, to see if they had—I just I, one thing I thought is that with all the creakly skin and the blinds and everything, the actors all had really nice teeth.
3: Hey. <laughs>
0: That's the first thing I noticed. They all—they didn't do anything with their teeth. Yeah, it's, the, the, it's the, a the, surreal problem
2: of it all. Yeah, they eat <laughs> those red leaves, right? And uh, the, they do a—they clean the teeth really naturally. Yeah. Um, okay. I think Nibiru is like visually awesome. Oh, oh yes. yeah.
1: Yeah, I remember sitting in the theater, I saw this at the IMAX, and that started, and I'm like, okay, this is going to be a good movie. They're, they're having fun, they're on an adventure, and then, ah, man, oof. They've taken the Enterprise away from you. They're sending you back to the Academy. How does Starfleet work? Because <laughs> if a captain's ship is taken away from them, they're not sent back to the damn Academy. This is them
2: realizing... They shouldn't have put him straight from the academy to the captain's chair, right? That's true. And mm-hmm. and trying to undo it, but they undo it for for no more than twelve minutes of screen time. It is so pointless. So I did read something where apparently Abrams talked about that you know there were a lot of writers on this and everybody was contributing ideas. And there there is a disjointedness of like, well, we have to do this, but we also have to do this, and then these things don't make sense together. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. I I think making the whole movie about the Nibiru mission would have been very interesting. You yeah, know, like I think they should go back I,
0: there. It's actually
2: funny, you know, uh, reminding me of a comic I used to own, a Star Trek tie-in comic from a, probably the post, so probably came out probably between five and six. So it was like continuing adventures on the Enterprise A, right? Oh, cool. And they went back to, I don't remember the name of the planet, but do you remember the Apple, the original series episode with Val? Mm-hmm with giant dragon head, that all the people worship and then surprise the omnipotent God is a computer. Um, and Kirk oh, yeah. like basically just was like, no, people can't worship computers. Screw the prime directive. And then they go back 25 years later and find that it didn't go so well. Mm. And I believe Peter David
1: wrote it. It was, it was pretty good. They did the same thing on Voyager. Do you remember the episode where the Ferengi and the Federation of, uh, TNG, where they're after a wormhole together, mm-hmm. and two of the Ferengi end up on the other end. And you're like, well, oh, those of. those Ferengi are dead. No, those Ferengi find a primitive planet and become their gods. <laughs> because oh, that's wow. what Ferengi would do. Right. Yeah. And if Voyager comes in, like, well, we're gonna stop this nonsense. <laughs> but yeah, I I maybe if if like it seems like four, if it happens, Star Trek 4 with the Kelvin timeline. Happens with this cast, maybe the next movie could jump and we could get uh TNG cast and maybe the TNG cast ends up on this planet and they, you know, their ship comes into orbit and they're like, oh, our God has returned kind of thing.
0: Yeah, I don't think I think it'd be there, very interesting. Yeah,
1: I think there's a very interesting, much more interesting than a lot of stuff that happens in this movie.
0: Well, it, to go back and, and see the results And the consequences of disobeying the prime directive, I think, is a very interesting Mm storyline that would do very well.
1: Yeah.
2: Well, there were several episodes like that, right? Uh, Piece of the Action, uh, uh, Patterns of Force are all about encountering societies where the prime directive has been, been one way or another broken and therefore resulted in them being able to shoot using existing sets and costumes from the Paramount backlot. But uh, <laughs> but uh, that opening kind of underscores how much this winds up not being about exploration or ideas. And, you know, I, I get what the film is trying to do. It's trying to be a movie about an, and a rejection of the militarization of Starfleet. Mm-hmm. Except it thinks that militarization is just so cool. You know? Like, it's it has that... Pro- I mean, it dresses them like the Imperials from Star Wars. Yeah. Oh, boy. Those... I mean... Even I, at the I, end, where it's supposed to be like, and we've learned our lesson. That's why we're all dressed like
1: fascists. You know? I would like uh, Pike's admiral uniform because it is obviously an homage to kirk's admiral uniform from star trek the motion picture i mean right it is right down to it so i get that i like that i'm less wild this time i used to like him i'm less wild about the the black undershirts with the over piece i don't know like kirk seemed like it was lower down it didn't just feel like the uh
0: you're talking about the gray uniform.
1: No, I'm talking about like their field uniforms when they're when they're oh. exploring, not their uh, academy uniforms or Starfleet. I hate those
0: academy uniforms. They look like something from West
1: Point. Yeah, that's what we're saying. Like Star, star uh, everyone's always like Starfleet's not a military organization, but they constantly dress like one.
2: Yeah, yeah, they 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 try to have their cake and eat it too by. Mm-hmm. You know, having the cool shoot up military adventure, but then decrying the militarization. But just two points. I think the film also kind of muddies what he did that was wrong. hmm Like, the violation of the Prime Directive is not rescuing Spock. It's stopping the volcano. Absolutely is. And, it, and uh, being seen. Being seen. Even if they'd never been seen, they're not supposed to stop volcanoes.
1: There's nothing they should... They should not have interfered in any way, shape, or form. They should have... As cold and crass as it sounds, they should let those people die. That's what the prime directive says. Literally, do not interfere. In, you know, I thought you just couldn't interfere with a society. I didn't know you
0: couldn't
2: do anything to protect the specifically well, you people. Keep, you, cannot you keep interfe- a soci- society from being
1: destroyed, that, is, that interferes with them. And specifically, pre warp yeah, societies I mean, you cannot interfere no. with.
0: Oh, I didn't. Th- I didn't think it was like I thought. You couldn't. You couldn't go in and, and help them develop something and all this other stuff. It, I, but I didn't. I didn't know it came to. If they're going to die, you have to let them die. I never, never well, thought a, of that. I mean,
2: it's obviously a very strict interpretation of it. And and there have been many times where how far does it go? Do you rescue them? I mean, obviously, I don't have a, a list of all the prime directive. Violations in my way, in my front of me, but you know.
3: <laughs> but think about it this way: if you're
2: if you're not supposed to go in and prevent them from developing something, right, or, or help them developing something, isn't stopping them from being destroyed by a volcano? I also it seemed to be implied that the volcano was going to destroy the entire planet. Yeah. Yeah. Why would
0: not you want to save them? It's up to interpretation, just like our Second Amendment. How big is this planet? I don't know.
2: I mean, I mean, one volcano.
1: One. It's volcano destroy a whole planet? And are these the only inhabitants of the entire planet? Right. If it doesn't destroy what? the entire Yeah, it's it's a cool yeah, set piece and
2: Well, but also just need to flag. That that's not what cold fusion means. No, it does not. Cold fusion does not mean it turns things into ice. Turn <laughs> okay. it into rock. No, or term- whatever. What? It just doesn't turn. Cold fusion doesn't mean it's super cold. It literally just means it's not super hot. Yep. But it was so cool. It looks so great you know, on film. Then, then, but then make. I mean, it's Star Trek. Make up a name for it. Don't use the name for a real life theoretical process. And oh, anyway, there's a few. But I'm wondering. There's a few of I've, those where it's just like there's. I don't care about too, too much about details and don't get hung up on them. And then there's. I'm sorry. Do you think your audience is dumb? With no. These movies, because
0: yes. most. <laughs> Most people who work with cold fusion and understand it don't watch Star Trek. That I, is. I bet I, you a majority
2: I, I, of the people. I, I, whoa, I would bet, wait a minute. I would bet that, the, that the Star Trek fan base disproportionately understands the concept of, of, of cold fusion oh, I see. I compared to, so. yeah, I mean, they're science fiction nerds.
1: They're science nerds. Like, Well, yeah, yeah. Why do you think cell phones for a hot second flipped open like communicators? Because nerds were working in tech. And
2: I don't want to, you know, like, look, faster than light travel is probably not possible. I don't want to get hung up on, like, Star Trek is doing something that isn't <laughs> real. But come on. Cold fusion has a meaning. As, as, in fact, does the word aft. At one point, somebody says something is behind the aft nacelle.
1: Uh, Khan says it. <laughs> You're just kind of like, wait. Yes.
2: It says behind the aft nacelle. The nacelle are the two tube-like things, right? There is no aft nacelle. There is a port nacelle and a starboard nacelle. <laughs> because aft means behind on mm-hmm. a ship. For, aft, port, starboard. <laughs> now, these words have re- real-life meanings that a lot of people
1: know. And just making them up, it's just... Uh, in, in Star Trek Universe... Uh- what is the thing that keeps everyone from flying back when the ship goes into impulse? The inertial, inertial dampeners. Sometimes, throughout all of Star Trek, people say dampers. I'm like, that just means you made the entire ship wet. in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, see, that...
2: That can see, honestly, that concerns me less because that's screwing up your own made up science. <laughs> right. Artificial <laughs> gravity. <laughs> that, that's yeah, just yeah. a that, that's just a continuity error. And I, I, I don't want to nitpick continuity errors. I do want to go you guys, you just made up like the word aft has meaning. It's had meaning for about five hundred mm-hmm. years. You know? <laughs> like right. anyway, anyway. Let's continue. So we're a sentence in, this is going really well
0: <laughs> Okay, Admiral Christopher Pike is reinstated As commanding officer With Kirk demoted to first
1: officer Which is not true Yes it is Eventually, you know, it
0: Eventually it but is. it wasn't it, right off the bat But Anyhow
1: No, but it's true pretty he's, fast yeah. he's, he's sent back to Starfleet Academy He has his Mopey dive bar moment That's where Pike meets up with them They gave her back to me The Enterprise Congratulations. Watch your back with that first officer, though. Spock's not going to be working with me. He's been transferred USS Bradbury. You're going to be my first officer. Because Spock wrote a true uh, log yeah. of the mission while Kirk was like, everything was fine. It's great. That, that bar scene I loved when he said it,
0: it wasn't a fight.
1: <laughs> I mean, the first time I found it was in a dive like this. Remember that? Got your ass handed to you. No I didn't. You don't? No, that's not what happened. That was an epic beating. No, it wasn't. You had napkins hanging out of your nose. <laughs> Did you not?
0: Spock is transferred to another ship <laughs> shortly after Starfeet Officer Thomas Harewood, sent by Commander John Harrison, bombs a Section 31 installation in London.
1: Hang on, this is me for the first time realizing that that guy had a name. <laughs> yeah, I'm just thinking that mom is reading really <laughs> like his name is Thomas Harewood? Okay, yeah. <laughs> sure. Played by Noel Clark from Doctor Who. Oh, okay. I I figured he was somebody of of note. He's he, I, he does a lot of silent acting in this and is really good. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he, he is.
2: is. Yeah, the, both he and the the woman who plays his wife, who is, also has television credits that I'm not as familiar with. Uh, Do a really actually great job of Mm -hmm. establishing who these people are, what's going on with she says nothing, he says maybe four or five words. Mm -hmm. Pretty much all he says is who the hell are you to John
0: Harrison. During an emergency meeting on the situation, Harrison uses a ship to ambush and kill Pike and other senior officers before transporting to Kronos homeworld of the hostile Klingon. Why wasn't the Admiral, the head honcho guy, killed? Was he hiding under a table or something?
1: Because he's robo-admiral. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Mom, no, he played, uh, hang on, Mom, Peter Weller played RoboCop, so he's robo-admiral. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I wasn't sure if Yep, okay. The, I mean, doesn't actually seem to kill
2: anybody except Pike, Oh, there they is. say other they say others, here, but the only one that anybody they spend any time on is fighting, yeah right? yeah, which was um, weird. It feels like one of that thing we talk about about writing backwards, mm-hmm. right? Oh, I want to have them shoot up this thing. So let's have let's make sure that when there is a major security thing that we meet in front of
1: a bunch of windows. Yeah, this should have been, Uh,
2: you know, like, and we make sure that everybody is all together in one room in front of a bunch of windows. Like, you
1: know, just like. I get the first part, uh, not the windows part, but I get that, like, if there's an attack on Starfleet headquarters, it is protocol for all of them to come together. Got it. If there's an attack on Starfleet headquarters, don't be in a room with windows, be in a bunker to keep everybody safe. It was just poor writing. I mean, it's just it's writing
2: from the result you uh-huh. want instead of a logical progression,
1: right? So it says it here in the uh, plot summary, and it, it's interesting to note this is the first time in TOS era that the word Kronos is said. Kirk says Kronos, and I'm like, oh, he said it because on the original series and up until Star Trek Six, it was simply referred to as the Klingon homeworld.
2: Well, at one point, I believe on the original series, Kling. it was actually oh, referred yeah. to as. Clean. Yes, but but I that's just thankfully they fixed that.
1: Yeah, um, that, that would have been bad.
2: Wait, but the, they they never call it Kronos in Star Trek Six. That's what I'm
1: saying. In Star Trek Six, is the first time that it is canonically called Kronos. Even I, oh, even okay. on the not here. That's what I'm saying. Like, well, I guess timeline wise, I'm saying like yeah. th- that those events haven't uh, happened in the Kelvin timeline. Right. Okay, good. It's just. This era of 23 or 2259, they were still calling it right the Klingon Homeworld. Up until but, next generation, until Undiscovered Country came out, they called it the Klingon Homeworld.
2: Apparently Praxis has exploded though, because it's hanging out there exploded in the in the thing. Oh yeah. When they have an the establishing side of Kronos, there's a big exploded moon like in Star Trek 6. Oh, um, you're right. What do we how do we what do we think of the visit to Kronos?
1: Oh, Good for Ohura to be speaking full Klingon, unlike in Star Trek Six, which I forgot when I was doing the research for this, I guess Nichelle Nichols pushed up against, which totally makes sense. She's your chief communications officer. She should know a language of a Cold War era enemy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I do think that one of the most
2: successful revisions in the in this reboot, which they picked up on on strange World, is making her a xenolinguist, right? Yeah, somebody who who really speaks and understands, you know. not just
1: being like, Captain, um, I can't get uh, a line. Sorry.
2: Yeah. What about you, Mom? What? Just what do, you, what do you think about that whole sequence on Kronos? Well, actually, we should talk about Well, the I've, fact got whole, about I've got a whole
0: other paragraph to read here before we yeah, get we to, get what to what the Klingons and the Klingons. Oh, next that's one, right, yeah. right,
2: right. We just before transporting the Klingons. Yes. Right, right.
0: Admiral Alexander Marcus reinstates Kirk and Spot to Enterprise with orders to kill Harrison using a new long range
1: stealth torpedo. Okay, first of all, he doesn't reinstate them. Kirk <laughs> demands to be reinstated in Marcus' life. After like, he's
0: yeah. figured out where he is, yeah.
1: <laughs> After he yeah. walks by, a model of his giant secret evil ship. Did everyone clock that? Oh, yeah. When well, he's walking yeah, by yeah, all those ships, oh, he's got the damn vengeance that. there at the end. I'm like, dude, you suck at being a
2: bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, but also, you know, it's them being too clever by half,
1: right? And when we get to ve- to to the reveal of vengeance, I- I'd like to spend quite a bit of time on it. <laughs> all
2: right. <laughs> the metaphor of these long-range torpedoes is not Is not subtle, right? This is this is drone Mm -hmm. warfare.
1: Absolutely, this is this
2: is long-range execution without trial from a distance. And so it it is good that everybody sensibly pushes up against it, and eventually Kirk realizes "Eh, that's not what. Mm -hmm.
0: I can't figure out why they they're going to kill Harrison, aka Singh. Why do they need seventy-two? One would do it.
1: Yeah, it. So well, what, I mean, Scotty's right. It's weird. <laughs> he's like, we're yeah. we just firing one. Why do we need 72 yeah. Chief
0: Engineer, Chief Engineer Montgomery Scott, but Montgomery Scott objects to the untested torpedoes on board without knowing their specifications. When he is overruled, he resigns.
1: That was a nice scene between. I mean, we, we talked mm-hmm. about it at the beginning that, that everyone's acting so well in this. That scene starts, haha, Scotty's being funny, and it just. Due respect, sir, but photon torpedoes run on fuel. Now, I can't detect the type of fuel that's in the compartments on these torpedoes because it's shielded. Now, I asked for the specifications, but he said. It's classified. It's classified. So I said, no specs, no signature. The playful banter switches into an argument. So beautifully between mm-hmm. them. It's a nice segue.
0: Yeah. yeah. Right. Well, you leave me no choice but to resign my duties. Come on, Scotty. you are yeah. given me no choice, sir. You're not giving me I much I will not of a choice. stand by you a, do. Acceptance. You accept my resignation or not? I do.
2: Yeah, I think. The, I think. I think the thing I was saying earlier about things playing visually across actors' faces was actually cued, and I noticed it more after that. But first thing that really leapt out was um, Simon Pegg. Taking in
1: that he accepts the resignation. Yes. Well, taking it um, in and also realizing, like, it. oh, were we just in a fight? I thought there was just, just back and forth. Yeah. I mean, it's a great scene. Scotty's not wrong. Scotty's, wh- I, well, and Scotty does not <laughs> let it be quiet that he was right. I feel like by the
2: time Kirk actually decides not to do this, like, Scotty might not even have finished packing his underwear drawer to get out. You know, right. like, it just, Is he still it, on the it, ship? No, no, he he leaves. It, again, it's like one of those things where, like, it's a good conflict and it feels right, but it also you because it the way it plays out and how fastly uh, how fast he turns around and changes his mind, you go, oh well, they just needed him off the ship so that
1: later he can sneak onto the vengeance. Yep, that's, that's exactly. You know, well. it's
2: writing it's writing backwards and it's so. You know, well,
1: it's also it's there so that Chekhov can become chief engineer so that. The, the nerds that talk about Space Seed, Chekhov not being there, they could make sure that didn't be a problem. Very to which well, I will say, know, along with all the nerds that had the problem with the Spock or Her relationship, different timeline. Stuff's going to be different. But why does he make Chekhov, the, the chief engineer? For exactly what I just said. It's got to be that. It's, oh, Scotty wasn't in Space Seed.
2: But in universe. there is no, There's literally no reason. In universe, it, it makes no sense though because surely Scott, Scotty has a has a second.
1: Engineer. Well, his second like in he, command is the little guy. That's his second in command. So who's team. his third in command? There's a there, right, right. There's a team of actual engineers, is what I'm. I wanted at, the scene know? where he walks in and for like the third in command he'd be like, "Are you kidding me?" You're in charge now. Kirk
0: assigns Pavel Chekov to replace Scotty. En route to Kronos, Enterprise's warp capabilities become disabled. Mm. Kirk leads team with
1: Spock and Ahura
0: to the planet where they are <gasps> ambushed by Klingon patrol.
1: Wait a minute, we're missing a very important person on this away team.
0: The red shirt? Cupcake.
2: Who? Oh yeah, that is it's Cupcake. Cupcake the it.
1: guy that beats the shit out of him in the uh in the bar in the first one that he's like listen cupcake why don't you go get some more friends and then later when uh, Scotty sneaks onto a lot of ships in these movies I just realized that because he mm-hmm. sneaks onto the Enterprise he's the security officer that catches them and says come with me cupcake so he's affectionately known as cupcake yeah it's the same the same person mm-hmm. right did anyone notice during the chase
0: scenes when uh, Kirk is doing the and he's got the the uh, Klingon behind him. At one point, the sounds that the aircraft are making sound like the aircraft sounds from Star Wars. That high-pitched whine. It was only for... for, Yes, it was only for like three seconds, but
1: I went, whoa!
2: Well, if you consider that these movies are basically J.J.'s auditioned to direct star wars it doesn't just, And yet, and yet somehow you still
1: got star wars the ship that they have do we all catch whose ship that was yeah but i don't remember harry mud harry mud that's oh, right yeah, yeah. that's right please
0: have the trade ship we confiscated during the mud incident last month fueled and flight ready
1: and lastly i really like these bird of prey these D, yeah, they're these cool. d9s they're very cool and i love that they're their wings or their their yeah their wings they yeah. move when they're flying like a bird yeah. it was so cool
0: yeah i told you we fit i am not sure that
1: qualifies
0: harrison appears and kills the klingons Harrison surrenders when he learns the precise number of torpedoes on board Enterprise.
1: Great moment for John Cho.
3: Attention John Harrison, this is Captain Hikaru Sulu of the USS Enterprise. A shuttle of highly trained officers is on its way to your location. If you do not surrender to them immediately,
0: I will unleash the entire payload of advanced long-range torpedoes currently locked onto your location. You have two minutes to confirm your compliance.
3: Refusal to do so will result in your obliteration. If
1: you test me, you will fail. Buttoned beautifully by uh, Bones, Mr. Sulu. Remind me never to piss you off. <laughs> and
0: he's and he's got just an ever so slight smile.
2: <laughs> it's like he, yeah, John John Cho is so great and so I mean he does he doesn't have a lot to do in this movie. Just like he has less to do in this movie actually than I think he had in the first. Mm-hmm. Um, I, but he really does. Make the most mm-hmm. of it, um, but he doesn't
0: get to wear what? a cape either. What? <laughs> Sulu, remember Sulu in his cape?
1: No.
2: Oh, you talking about when he when he runs around fencing? No, I'm talking. Oh, the cape and the cape and, and oh, yes. And yes. the tan cape. cape,
1: the cape well, jacket, the cape jacket. In, 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 yes, it technically in timeline in. we haven't gotten there yet. Who knows? He might wear a big old cape in the next movie. You That'd mean the great.
0: one that we have that hasn't been done yet?
1: Yes. Okay. Listen. Until I hear otherwise, it's happening.
0: All right. Doctor Leonard McCoy and Marcus's daughter, Doctor Carol Marcus, opens a torpedo at Harrison's urging, revealing that torpedoes contain chronologically frozen embryos.
2: Cryonically, though they are also chronologically Chronically
0: frozen humans. Harrison is taken to Enterprise's brig. Where he reveals his true identity as Khan Nguyen Singh, a genetically engineered superhuman awoken by Admiral Marcus from centuries of sleep and forced to develop advanced weapons.
1: We've seen Khan later in the film when they're on the vengeance. Khan takes out five guys without breaking a sweat. How did they force him to do this? How do they
2: Well hold isn't it's holding He's it's holding, holding the, other st- other oh, the other people hostage. That's right. yeah. Okay,
1: okay, but it's just But then
2: but then somehow he rescued them enough to put them in torpedoes. That's a little vague. I mean it's just a dumb plan though, it's right? It's so like,
1: backwards, yeah. Like it's writing to the end where he gets them all and they blow them up and Khan thinks all his people well, are dead.
2: No, I just mean the plan the plan. Marcus's plan. Oh, like, well, look, if you were going to build next generation weaponry today, you do not need the smartest guy from 300 years ago.
1: Right. I mean, they even make a point
2: of. That's not how technology works. They even make a
1: point of being like, we don't know how to work these cryo beds. They're so ancient. But then later, when they need it for Kirk, it's just like, ah,
2: we got this. It's no problem. Boop, yeah. boop, boop, boop. But yeah, it just. I don't understand. It's so that they can have a guy running around being calm without him being discovered by the enterprise again, working backwards. but mm-hmm. like it's it's as if you were like, oh I really I, I am worried about America's enemies and, and the war on terror. What I need to do is get Napoleon pretty much and ask him not not even to conduct strategy, but to to design weaponry. Like, that's the thing, is it's? he's explicitly supposed to be designing this ship. Mm-hmm. He's not asking him to conduct large-scale strategy, he's asking him to design a ship. It just makes so little sense. But you don't have time to think about it. Keep going. Here, keep okay. going. Movie. No, no, I mean, that's the movie. Right? <laughs> keep going. Don't think about it. Keep going.
1: Look at Cumberbatch, isn't he handsome? Doesn't he look like an otter? Yeah. You, isn't that one single tear that he lets out so wonderful?
0: And he speaks with his mouth, so pronounced.
1: Yeah, it's very strange how that has gone away in how Benedict Cumberbatch acts in movies. Well, part of it might be him doing the American accent
2: as uh, Stephen Strange, but...
1: Well, and also in the first Doctor Strange movie, it's the incredibly fake beard they put on him, so he can't move his mouth too much, otherwise the beard will fall off, so he talks like (laughs) this the entire movie. Hello, I'm Doctor Stephen Strange. Why would a Starfleet admiral... Ask a 300-year-old frozen man
0: for help. Khan reveals that Marcus sabotaged Enterprise's warp drive, intending for the Klingons to destroy the ship after it fired on Kronos, sparking war with the Klingon Empire. Khan also gives Kirk a set of coordinates, which Kirk asks Scott to investigate. Scott discovers the coordinates lead to a covert Starfleet facility.
1: Apparently, I read that those are the actual coordinates to the moon uh, 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 on Jupiter. Yeah, you know, why? Why don't they
2: at least know that that's in the inside of the Earth Solar System? Like, it feels like. It just, uh, do, do only engineers know how to look up coordinates?
1: That would seem weird. You know what I mean? Like, right? Yeah. That would, <laughs> and also. I, I, we we have an eye on almost all the planets in our solar system. In 2022, you're telling me 200 plus years in the future, we don't have even more, and they're not going, hey, what's that big damn ship being built over well, there? Well,
2: but who 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 is going to be looking for it? Because it is important to remember when we talk about how the end of this movie makes no sense, that this is not a rogue admiral.
1: No, he's Section 31.
2: No, he's not Section 31. He is the head of Starfleet.
1: Right, but he's also... he's He's... Is
2: operating and using Section 31. But this is not a rogue mid-level admiral who's gone off and created his own little weird black ops wing, right? Right, he's the this head is, admiral. Yeah. This is the, the c mm-hmm. It just It just implies a different level of corruption to the organization. Like, the idea that when that guy was blown up, there was no problems left. Everything got fine at the end, you know. Like the conspiracy that would have been needed for the head of Starfleet to build that that monster ship and do all these terrible things, there would just be con- like the whole rest of the movie. You know, the whole rest of the next ten years should be rooting out the people who were part of it. Well, we
1: also jump a year at the end oh, of this film, right. yeah. So maybe that's when all that happened. Yeah, but like, there's well, no- we-
2: yeah. It's God, just like- it, it suffers from that same like kill the head vampire as soon as the bad guy's gone done mm-hmm. whatever you know.
1: Anyway, My, also when he mentioned Section Thirty One, I remember going, "Okay, he's a bad guy." Well, <laughs> like, so, you mentioned yeah. Section, if- like, don't trust the admirals in Starfleet. That's that's that is the prime directive as a Star Trek viewer. But uh, as soon as Section Thirty One's mentioned, you are like, "Yeah, you are all bad." Got it. Okay. All right.
0: Enterprise is intercepted by a much larger Starfleet warship, the USS Vengeance, commanded by Admiral Marcus. All right, Mar- here, we go. here we go.
2: Casey's got some, some Starship uh, design discussion, I believe.
1: Oh, the Starship Enterprise in the Kelvin universe is probably 25% bigger than the USS Enterprise D, the biggest ship we have seen in all of Star Trek. And yet this thing, according to what Khan says, two times the size, three times the speed. And I'm sorry, no one knows this thing. I think it's bigger than that, isn't it? But then it crashes into the San Francisco Bay Harbor, and it's just like, well, but like the size, of this thing makes no sense to well, me. It,
2: and it makes no sense from a sort of practically in-universe thing, because the other thing Khan says is it's designed to be run, if possible, by one person.
1: Yeah,
0: but remember, parts of it are missing. Missing when it crashes into the that's true into the thing. It's lost it, a lot of its stuff up the there. The saucer
1: section is, is the one that crashes. The
0: saucer, saucer section is the only thing that crashes. But
2: what? But if your goal is to make a bristling with weapons thing, right? Why does it need to be that big? It could be like, it should be small and all guns. And agile, mm-hmm. yeah. right. It should,
1: it and, should be and the it Defiant. Right, exactly. It should, it should, be, should be the, the Defiant. defiant. Yeah. It should be the Defiant. The Defiant was literally built for what they're building the vengeance for, right. except the Defiant was to fight the Borg, not it, it's each a, other. But it's a, it's a sort of, it's that sort
2: of, particularly this era of Hollywood blockbusters, just like, bigger, 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 kind
1: bigger of. Bigger and make it black so it's evil. Ooh, <laughs> let's not dissect that one too far. No,
2: I know. And no and no lights. Well, they're, they're saving on electricity because it's designed uh. to be run by just one person. Yeah, yeah, you notice there's like, they're just like, could, uh, at some point in the design process, Marcus did like a progress inspection, just like, I think the lighting needs to be more evil. Oh, yeah. It's, <laughs> we just, look, would, if we bring it down by about 30%, it'll be. Well,
0: we can't, he can't cloak, so let's just put, not put any lights on it, then yeah. nobody can see him coming through space.
1: And also, I understand it's a cool look for when we first see the Vengeance and it closes in on its uh, deflector dish. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're like, oh, it's really evil But uh, it's not going to be able to deflect Space debris if you close it <laughs> yeah. It's literally ruining the purpose of the thing yeah. It's in the name to deflect And you're just like, oh, I didn't, we don't need that There's my soapbox about it. Because when I saw this movie And I didn't realize that the Ener- Kelvin Enterprise Was bigger than the D I thought it was the same size as the TOS When we got that one I'm like, oh, they're just like Bringing the, the galaxy class size ships into the universe early, fine. Now that I know that it's bigger and that, that this is even bigger, I'm just like, why? None of this makes sense. It's like how Godzilla gets bigger in every movie, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and now every he's just a time, fat boy. Yeah.
2: He's a big, chunky Godzilla boy. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. It. it, it, it <laughs> What I mean it's sense. it's just there, right? It's just there for that one shot when it warps in and you're just like, ooh, it's big and scary. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's like you know what it is? It's a Super Star destroyer. It,
1: uh, I, Again, it's just, yep.
2: it's just the yes. it's it's just Star Wars. <laughs> He's just trying to make a Star Wars movie out of a Star
1: Trek movie. Right, because in Return of the Jedi, when you see that first superstar destroyer, you're like, Holy crap, they get him that big? Like Well, that? right.
2: And and again, you know who likes to build things on a colossal scale to project their power? Fascists. Now, granted, mm-hmm. Marcus is actually supposed to be a fascist, but uh, sure. what do we make of Marcus as a villain and and uh, Peter, Dr. Peter Weller's performance in this film?
1: Um, not yes. great.
2: <laughs> yes, he, he, well, he does have I a doctorate, kinda, by the way.
0: I kind of figured, because he's kind of... The poor guy is... A good actor, but he's kind of typecast. He's always a bad guy. So you kind of know that he...
1: Point of order, I don't think he's a very good actor. Um, I have yet to make it through The Dark Knight Returns with him doing the voice because he does it all at this level, and I fall asleep very quickly. (laughs) Uh, We have two Batman actors in this film. Who else? Bruce Greenwood. Has done a bunch of Batman's lately, Um, and he's really good. Well, he's
2: he's great in this movie. He's a great.
1: He's a great actor. I really enjoy him a lot. Um, What does Peter Weller have a doctorate in?
2: I believe physics. I'm looking it up now. He has a doctorate in. I believe
1: it's physics. No, he went to Syracuse University.
2: He has his masters is from Syracuse, but his doctorate is from uh Ooh, UCLA. PhD in oh, Italian no, resin, Renaissance art history. So, yes, well, not it's it's not physics. It's Italian art. freaking
1: theory. dot to him? And this you know. is all very late. He got his uh masters in 2004 yeah. and got his uh he began in 2007 for his PhD and uh, earned it in 2014. Good for him. Yeah,
2: good for him. He's fine in the movie.
1: It's it, it, There's not a lot to the character. He's just a,
2: you know. He, oh, There's a way to write. And it's so interesting, right? So the movie comes out in, what, 2013? And it's mm-hmm. sort of very, it's a very Obama-era film, right? These sort of concerns about drone warfare and good people being dragged into a war, you know, and, and giving into their worst instincts. But he's, he's just such a one dimensional heavy. I mean, he's, he's, he's almost Cheney, right? Like he's just, (laughs) yeah, there could have been a much more nuanced version of a, a guy who, who, was the biggest believer in peace and really truly believes he's going to make the galaxy better. He just seems to want a war cuz he wants it, you know. And also why doesn't I why, mean, why doesn't he get it? Like they still killed a lot of Klingons and then hung out in Klingon on the edge of Klingon space for a long time.
1: All but, that is what? explained in the year in between when Kirk is revived to the rechristening of the um Enterprise at the end of the film, and you can read all the books on that, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure there's tons mm-hmm. of tie-in novels yeah. for that year. Did the fake name for Khan used to be just John Harris? Because, man, Peter Weller has a hard time putting that son on the end of it.
2: Like, I think that's it, just Peter Weller's
1: Texas twine. But, but one little. of the times, I can't remember, It's it's when he's... After they fired on each other, excuse me, after the vengeance is fired, the Enterprise does not fire once this entire film, which is very interesting. Yeah, um, um, that's, that's interesting. Well, except, well, I guess they, they beam the torpedoes aboard. Yeah, they never, they never fire anything. They, huh. they beam them and then explode them. One of the times he's like, the fugitive John Harrison. That's the take we're going to use. That's I mean, the one we went, cut, print, we're good. It, it, I mean, he probably just kept saying con and they had to. <laughs> They're like, wait, we don't want to give that away yet.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The whole, the whole, all the subterfuge of the name. I actually noticed when they were, um, tells everybody's like, John Harrison was a smokescreen.
1: I was like, you're talking about the marketing campaign for this film, right? <laughs> <laughs> the very poor marketing campaign.
3: Turn uh, around.
1: You know what we skipped was the thing that we said we were going to talk about during uh, when Marcus and. Bones go to fiddle with the uh, torpedo, she decides to get changed in front of Kirk. And there's that gratuitous shot of her completely naked, just in her underwear that just does not belong in this film. Even
2: the changing clothes seems gratuitous. Like I'm not sure why they need needed to change clothes just to go down to that planet and do that thing with that
0: torpedo. Same reason they had the two guys change clothes. They couldn't mm-hmm. be in their they, uniforms.
1: They were in Starfleet uniforms when they did that. They're like away mission uniforms. At least Carol should just have put on a sensible pant. The fact that she's wearing a skirt. Like,
2: yeah, I guess I guess she needed to change because she's wearing the skirt uniform. I mean, it's not even just that one moment, though that moment is obviously the one that they did so they could, I think, put it in the trailer.
1: Um. I yep, think and I remember seeing like, um, what this isn't no, but everybody just
2: sort of talks about how attractive they find her like in front of her all the time, except Spock, of course, who there, I do kind of love that scene when she meets them on the transport to the Enterprise and announces she's the new science officer and Spock reacts exactly like a jilted lover.
0: Science officer Wallace, I've been assigned to the Enterprise by Admiral Marcus.
2: You requested an additional science officer, Captain? I wish I had. That's kind of fun, but um, the entire treatment of her is gross. The whole thing where, where apparently Kirk like, seduced and forgot Christine Chapel was gross. You have no idea who I'm talking about, do you?
1: Then unnecessary.
2: It's just kind of this thing about and he says something about, like, Bo, Bone says something about his legendary hands, and then he calls her sweetheart, and it's just like, everybody just kind, of, kind of turns into a kind of patriarchal sexist ass around her, and it's it's not the, fun. They, well, I think they think it's fun, funny banter, and you know, it really is interesting, because what, the movie is now, what is it, 10 years old now?
1: Almost, yeah. Next year it'll
2: be 10. Next year it'll be 10. It does show, like... I think nobody would try to write that now.
1: No, absolutely not. Con, what you need to remember is the scientific fat, fact that uh, men only have enough blood to power their brain or their penis. And while one is in control, the other shuts off. So,
2: But apparently not true if that blood is green.
1: Um. <laughs> Moving along. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead.
0: Oh, Marcus demands that Kirk deliver Khan, but Enterprise flees to Earth to expose him. The Enterprise is kind of damaged, right?
1: Uh, yeah, not kind of. It is super damaged.
0: It, how does it outrun the Vengeance? It doesn't. They both reach Earth at the same time? It. They have that whole thing. Don't
2: they both reach? Don't they? No, it's like they, knock hit, they no, get knocked out of warp by it firing on them in warp, and then Which, kind of...
1: Yeah, I, warp keeps getting. I mean, it's it's pretend technology, so who cares? <laughs> but like in universe, it has to be the same. In most iterations, it is a bubble that goes around the ship that protects it from everything. Mm-hmm. Think- now, now it's kind of become like they warp through tunnels almost like it very much felt like they were on like. Uh, oh, shit. What's the thing in uh, Finding Nemo? The the It's a real thing in the ocean. There's this current that uh, that just pushes things really fast. What is it called? I'm not going to think of it. But that's what it felt like. Like it was on this current ride and it got knocked off. Kind well, that's of
2: how, that visually is how it plays out.
1: Yeah. I mean, hmm. I don't remember it being unusual for something
2: to be able to be fired on in while at warp. Before. Sure, that's nothing new. That's nothing but they seem to play it as if, oh, they can fire on us. They can fire on us. We're Oh, we, this one can. But yeah, that's what happens, Mom. It's like they warping towards and space and time again. Just like the last one, you have no, no meaning, right? You it takes them like ten minutes to get from Chronos to the, the at least Earth's solar system. So they wind up, yeah, they wind up like getting knocked out by it right before they get to Earth. But you're right, Mom. The details of it are just sort of very like, uh, we need them to be there. Okay, now we're on to the next set piece. Like, they just go from yeah. set piece to set piece. And don't mm-hmm. really worry too much about the connective tissue.
0: Is my microphone on? It is. All right. Hello, everyone. My name is Pat Benson, and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, Crossed Wires. It's for music lovers, but especially those who are into the tech side of things. I will dive heavily into topics about guitars, electronic instruments, and equipment, with gear demonstrations and interviews with other musicians and artists as we get into the process of what inspires them to create. My first episode will air on Friday, June 17th, so make sure you tune in as I unravel a mystery behind a pedal known as the Ten Years. I will demonstrate the pedal on a guitar, bass, synthesizer, and even a drum machine, There may even be some special guest callers to help me try to solve this mystery. For more information about this show, you can head on over to crossedwires.blog or follow me on Instagram at crossedwires. Yeah, that's the name of the show. After Vengeance disables Enterprise near the moon, Carol reveals her presence aboard Enterprise to stop the attack. Marcus forcibly transports Carol to Vengeance before ordering Enterprise's destruction. I like that she tried to outrun... Transport. Yeah. She yeah. thought if she wouldn't, if she got into the, the
1: <coughs> elevator, that she, it, it wouldn't. No. Interesting that it, it also says forcible. could Because why does Carol scream like she's being murdered? Well, because she
2: knows. I mean, I, it's because she knows that
1: a lot of people are going
2: to die. It is kind of not a plan she really thought through. <laughs> nope. um, yeah, right.
1: <laughs> for a doctor, she's pretty dumb. But a lot it, of this movie. we
2: reach this point in the movie where, like, you were just asking mom, like, "Is the Enterprise really damaged? How damaged?" With the, there's a bunch of stuff like nothing works on the Enterprise unless we just need it to work right now for one time. Yeah, the right. transporter, the communications, the warp—nothing hmm. works. We don't. We don't have a bag. Can you get me one? Yeah, I can do it once. Why? Because. <laughs> This is that time in the scripts where I have so like, it One, You know, like, it's just, they, they pull that particular moment about six times here. Yeah,
1: what, what was the, was it a Star Trek movie? Something where they use, like, a transport, and right after they, it had to have been Star Trek, and right after they use it, it it fries, and, like, that's it, it's done. Like, have that happen. Have, like, the transporter screen Fritz out, and like, we, we can't do it again. It's so frustrating that it that it is. Like, we can't beam Khan and Spock up because they're moving too much. Yeah. You know, but to, we can bring someone down. It, mm-hmm. The thing's still moving. At, at this point, by this point in the film, I just had made my peace
2: with the fact that nothing can happen except what they need to happen for where they want the story to go, and that they yep. really are just not even remotely concerned about storytelling logic. Like, it just... And again, we've said this a bunch, you know. Like, there's a bunch of nits that can be picked with into, with Wrath uh, of Khan. There's things that don't make a ton of sense in that if you stop and think about it. You don't stop and think because it's a good movie. But here, because it just doesn't have that emotional satisfaction or good storytelling, you just kind of keep going. But what?
1: Why? After himself? And also, the, the the flawed logic in Wrath of Khan is nitpicky. These are giant swaths of. Yeah. Illogical stuff happening in this film.
2: Um, so where were? We? Oh yeah, her space she, jump. Her, her, her brilliant plan to, to hold the job <laughs> passage, forgetting yeah, right. forgetting about the existence of transporters.
0: Well, it says continuing, vengeance loses loses power after being sabotaged by Scott, who infiltrated the ship.
1: So swearing has always bothered me in in Star Trek. Um, I have gone on record and saying that dropping the F-bomb that they did on Discovery and then on Picard, not my favorite things. The scene with the torpedo, before Car- Carol's trying to figure out how to, to dismantle it, and right before she does, she says shit. Which is fine. That I, I have no problem with that. But then they do the cutaway joke when Scotty finds the vengeance. He goes, "Holy!" Sh- and it cuts off. And like down
0: to the to the doors.
1: This makes no sense because we just ha- if if they're ha- like like dropping the f bomb in the MCU. They have played with it so much, and it's actually a kind of a funny running joke now. That I hope they never actually have it happen. They have it, like, happen in people getting dusted or horns blowing off or explosions behind people. I just—it was so weird for them to be right on top of each other. An actual you know, shit they, and, then, they and then a joke. close, yeah.
2: But, if it was, it had, but the, joke,
1: the joke is cute. The joke yeah, is fine is. If, it, if we hadn't just heard a shit, like, 45 seconds earlier. Well,
0: you got to right. remember also that it it's a way of segueing— where we don't know what he saw. I'm not,
1: I have no problem with that, but there could have been all these other ways for us to get there. Like <laughs> I thought it yeah. was cute. Or get rid of her saying shit. <laughs> well, don't yeah,
3: have
0: yeah, that... it be so close together. Yeah. Okay, with transporters down, Kirk and Khan with the latter's knowledge of the warship's design, space jump to vengeance. Mm-hmm. That's a fun sequence. It is. I, like yeah, that I thought sequence. that was very well you done. Know,
2: yeah, uh, Scotty, open I, I that Scotty, open the door.
0: Scotty, open the door. Scott.
2: Well, I think, <laughs> in ter- and it's funny because we were talking a little bit about like some of Abrams' previous work as an action director. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a sort of very uh, similar to the space jump in the first film, which is also a pretty effective sequence. It's sort of a human-sized action sequence, you know? Yeah. I think he's better at that than the spaceship battles.
1: Sure. I mean, I also do enjoy that the space jump from the first one is called out. Yeah, it was vertical. We jumped onto it. And Khan is just kind of like, I don't care. <laughs> like, it doesn't yeah. matter. Scotty! Did you did find the, manual, the override? manual override, Scotty? Yeah, the, the sort of bit where he he feels
2: weird. Like, so, Cumberbatch has a moment where he he gets in a crouching position and Pine has a nice comic beat of looking at him like, okay, we're doing that.
1: Yeah, again, Chris Pine is a character actor stuck in the Leaning Man actor's face. Like He's so good at these comic beats and the well,
2: but he's good. I mean, he's good. He's and very good. The, yeah. the, moment, the moment when he thinks the ship is going to blow up and he turns around and he apologizes. Oh. And, you know, right after the moment where he's begged for their life. I mean, he really does, you know. Oh,
1: yeah. He's he's a phenomenal he, actor.
2: Like I said at the very beginning, the, what makes this movie even watchable is the acting, right? hundred yeah. percent, the The story's a mess and the tone is just sort of... Needlessly cynical and grim Um, and we haven't even talked about my big thing about this movie yet But I I think I'll wait till the vengeance crashes to talk about it.
0: Okay.
2: Okay, so that's coming right up
0: as we continue Meanwhile Spock contacts his future self on new Vulcan
1: who tells him as you know I have made a vow never to give you information that could potentially alter your destiny your path is yours to walk and yours alone that being said, Khan Nunyan Singh is the most dangerous adversary the Enterprise ever faced. He is brilliant, ruthless, and he will not hesitate to kill every single one of you.
2: Did you defeat him? At great cost. After no.
0: fighting their way to the bridge, Khan overpowers Kirk, Scott, and Carol and kills Marcus. And <laughs> takes control of the vengeance, and he kills Marcus in a really yucky way. <sighs>
1: Soda, let me sleep. Smushy, smushy. Yeah. Also, I mean, no. Spock does not tell him of his encounter with Khan. Well, he doesn't say. he He never says that I died and was resurrected and all that. He just said Khan is not someone to be trusted. And we, it costs us a lot. Like
2: it's a cute, it's nice scene. It's always nice to see Nimoy. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like it's incredibly necessary. It's not like they were, you know, just bursting with trust for the guy, right? You know, I mean, Kirk never is never privy to that conversation, and already is planning to take Khan out as soon as they hit the the bridge, right? right. He gets the yeah. he, he is, and also like, I do wish that they had, you know, it's we, Casey. You and I were sort of chatting about this. Relative to the con adjacent stuff on um, space, on, on Strange New Worlds. Mm-hmm. But you know, like, this is a name everybody should know. Like, when I made the joke earlier about Napoleon, like, eh, eh, that's who this guy should be to everybody. They should all be like, oh my God, it's Napoleon. Right. It's, it, oh, it's in, Khan.
1: Like, they should all know that this is not a good dude. In Spacey, don't, when his name is announced, don't they all know who this guy is? Isn't he infamous? Absolutely. He's like Hitler. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, he is, exactly.
2: The name is very,
1: is very, yeah. And that's the great thing on Strange New Worlds that we have uh, uh, the chief uh, security officer is uh con, is a con. Well, she's Noonien Singh. Right? Oh, excuse me, Noonien Singh, not con, yeah. on Laan Noonien Singh. Which is um, exactly like having the last name Hitler. <laughs> You're just like, Nyeh. yeah, Exactly, yeah. <laughs> The
2: Newport Hitlers?
1: <laughs> All right. Go All ahead, right, man. what's that from? What? The newborn Hitlers? Hitlers? <laughs> no, just no, it's not. It's just the fact that, like, if your last name is Hitler, it, not, your name, first of all, if your last name is Hitler, you should have changed it hey, a long-ass time Bob. ago. Yeah, Probably, I
2: wonder if there's anybody running around with the last name Bonaparte.
1: Oh, that's good, too, yeah.
2: Did you? Oh. Or, I don't know, uh, who are the other monsters of history? Anybody with the last name?
1: Bush, the great. Ray, oh. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. I was watching something the other day and I can't remember what it was, but one of the actor's names was Colin W A D E L L. Oh, that's Which cool. is oh, one interesting. Of the, one yeah. of the spellings, yeah. For
2: those of you listening at home, one of the spellings for mom's maiden name. Yeah. Um, one of the many. I, I, so, yeah. One of the many. Uh, you know, <laughs> okay. spelling. It's tough. Okay.
0: Khan demands that Spock return his frozen crew in exchange for the Enterprise officers. Spock complies, but has McCoy surreptitiously remove mm-hmm. Khan's frozen crew from the torpedo's beforehand. When Khan starts shooting at Enterprise, Spock detonates the warheads, crippling the ship. With both starships caught in Earth's gravity, they plummet toward the surface. Kirk enters Enterprise's radioactive reactor chamber to realign the warp core, sacrificing himself to save the ship. <gasps>
2: um. <sighs> Okay and boy, it was a good thing that you could realign the warp core by kicking it.
1: Yeah, right. and not even kicking it the right way. He's kicking it directly down and it is at like a 45 degree angle. He should be kicking it up and up and over. Like he's kicking it this well, way.
2: <laughs> it feels like he's he's doing the double the double Foot kick, mm-hmm. like the the classic Shatner combat move, right? Oh, but yeah. a foot kick,
1: but he's just kicking the <laughs> it, and also that is an actual oh shit! I looked it up and I forgot to write it down, but it's like a, it, a tele- it's a laser it's a telescope. telescope. Yeah, it's a laser yeah, telescope. A, a laser telescope. Do you think they were like you're doing what to it? <laughs> well, I don't think that part <laughs> is. I
2: think the exterior. I think the exterior is. And then that's a set piece think okay. that, Yeah, <laughs> just, and they also work the the Budweiser brewery in there again. Right, which fine. Looked, yeah. It
1: Absolutely should be because it it's part cool. of the ship. Yeah, yeah. It looks uh, cool. when when the Enterprise is crashing down, and Scotty and Kirk are suddenly in a uh, hotel lobby, what what is that section of the Enterprise where it's just rows up and rows down of just hotel rooms? I like it's so weird. I don't know,
2: but I do I do like that sequence of um, where the gravity where the Mm-hmm. As they're kind of tumbling down, the gravity keeps shifting, that's a clever bit of I enjoy that scene
1: yeah that was that was big S- fun, yeah to speak about the
2: elephant in the room or rather the starship in San Francisco Bay
0: Well, as far as I'm concerned, we could have ended this movie right here.
2: The when whole, Kirk dies
0: well yeah, but they still they've they've still got some of Khan's blood. The Tribble comes back alive. they've got him, they bring him back to life. Thing known whatever dies God. when he crashes. I mean, how could he live through that thing? That was very unrealistic.
2: He's superior.
1: Well, He's superior, care. and therefore he still. ends up with just a little tiny cut on his face. Like yeah, his whole right. damn ship crashed into the San Francisco Bay yeah, Harbor. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. He should have had to have that whole fight with Spock with only one arm. Or, <laughs> or if we're going for Wrath of Khan, have him be all scarred and weird like yeah. uh, Robert. Uh, <sighs> What's his last name? Not mm-hmm. That's- <laughs> Ricardo. That's Ricardo Montalban. <laughs> Thank you. Ricardo I'm thinking of the wrong first name. I'm all- <laughs> going. To, are are go you talking about Ricardo. Ricardo? Well, Robert <laughs> Ricardo. Same thing. Robert. No, Robert Ricardo is <laughs> the doctor on oh, yeah, uh, right. Voyager. So,
2: and Ricard- Ricardo is Richard, and Robert is. Robert, um, Roberto. But but I think that would be both the Italian and the. Uh,
1: wait a minute, before you go on your your rant. Also, uh, you're, oh yeah, it's coming. You're telling me that Alcatraz is still in the San Francisco Bay Harbor? Bullshit! <laughs> what? <laughs> there was a World War III that has happened at this point. And that thing yeah. didn't get blown up. They didn't turn that into some sort of uh base and it get it no. got exploded. It's there. Presumably
2: no. San Francisco didn't get blown up, so.
1: But it's there simply because Abram's show, Alcatraz, had just been canceled and he was mad. And I'm just like, Oh, oh that's I didn't even, it's I didn't like, even notice it. Kind of like when we're in London and the Union Jack is flying. Like, aren't we all one united world at this point? You don't get to fly. Oh, I
2: didn't catch the Union Jack. That's that's bad.
1: I'm like, no, that's bad. They should be flying the United Federation. Uh, yeah, that's stupid. Um, when you, but are, uh, <laughs> there the, in the London shot, there were
2: currently existing London buildings. Sure, that that, so, that, I mean, that weird theoretically egg thing, some yeah. Okay, I mean Chateau Picard su- survives. You know, we, we have seen a lot of old-ass buildings that survived <laughs> World War
1: Three on this That's planet. fair. It just, it seemed real stupid that, like, and it also looked like it had, like, a structure on it that they were rebuilding it. I'm like, why are we rebuilding a prison? Yeah.
2: <laughs> we don't need this anymore. Um, I think it was there. I think those stru- those um, scaffolds around it and stuff, I thought it was because it's probably what it is now, a museum.
1: No, that's fair. Okay. Yeah. All, right, All right. Go ahead with your rant, Colin. Okay.
0: I've only oh. got one more paragraph. So. But it has to do well, with yeah, what's gotta, happening
1: right here. So go
2: okay. ahead. we got to talk about the vengeance crashing into So it's 9 11, right? Ugh, so, so hard 9 11. Yep. This movie begins with a suicide bombing and ends with 9 11 and has drone warfare in the middle and doesn't have really cohesive things to say about any of them except that. Most of the ultimate responsibility for setting off the chain of events of all of them rests within the nominally democratic government. Roberto Orsi, who wrote this movie, or is part one of the writers on this movie, is a 9-11 truther. No. Yeah. Boo. This is... A crypto
1: 9-11 truther movie. Oh, I didn't know that. I hate this movie even more now.
2: Yeah, I don't. You sure do. It doesn't quite commit to it, probably because he was only one of four credited writers. Also, Nibiru, the name of this planet, is also, there's a conspiracy about uh, that being the name of the theoretical 10th planet or planet X that may or may not exist in a wide orbit of our sun,
1: and oh, was on the opposite thing... side of where we are on the sun. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay.
2: Oh, right. Yeah, there was, was, a... was a whole, a whole thing where Nibiru was going to crash into us, and that was a weird, like, early aughts conspiracy theory. So, the guy's a bit of a conspiracy theory dude. and Oof-ba-doof. Um Yeah, like the fact that like one of us, a, a rogue Starfleet operative, does is responsible for suicide bombing mm-hmm. and a giant ship crashing into buildings in
1: a downtown but city. It's its a little icky, man. And isn't isn't Khan in this movie kind of Bin Laden? Like, we know he's evil, but he's going to help us build stuff. And who could have thought he would turn against us and radicalize himself? Well, see, you see, that actually, if they'd
2: gone that way, like that criticism of that recurring mistake in American foreign policy, you might have had something coherent to say. Right. But it, it kind of, yeah, it just all kind of comes off like kind of, did, did, did the nine eleven parallel of that crash register with you, Mom? It's hard not to see that. I didn't, I didn't see a bit no, it of crashing didn't.
0: And- oh, did right? not, No, it did I, I want a movie to be enjoyed. I don't dissect it. I, I mean, I well, learned. Yeah,
1: says the movie review podcaster. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that explains a lot of almost every single Transformers movie that are all uh, written by and maybe ones directed by him. No, it's all Michael Bay. But... Written by R- Roberto Orsi, that there is some sort of moment where a jet-like transformer smashes through a building. Got it. Okay. Nine Eleven Truther. Really? Apparently,
2: uh, why well, he's not on Twitter anymore. So. Super gross. Yeah, it's it's kind of icky. It,
1: he doesn't even have yeah. a link on the Wikipedia. You can't link to him. I was going to see because you know <laughs> Wikipedia has a fun section where they'll talk about controversies, but. Yeah. He doesn't have one. That's yeah. awful. It's it's <sighs>
2: unfortunate. Um, he was actually at one point supposed to direct what be eventually
1: became Beyond. <laughs> yeah. but Right, because Abrams left to do Star Wars, and Abrams and Orsi had a before. kind of a falling out because of it. Or Kurtzman and Orsi had a falling out.
2: Yeah, it's one of the reasons why this movie though more slickly made than some of the other non-successful ones stands out as bad as me is it's just the cynical grossness of using all that stuff for sort of half-assed entertainment. I mean, it's tricky, right? We want Star Trek to comment on current events and comment on the world we live in. That's part of always been part of what it does. Sure. But you have to be careful in the way you do it and not just kind of make gross
1: Disaster porn. Well, yeah, we were still uh, we were on the edge of getting out of disaster porn after this movie. This was, you know, it kind of goes to the Star Trek six of it all. Like suddenly we hate the Klingons for racial reasons in that movie. It's the same idea. Like yeah. bringing bringing in that kind of idea. I, yeah. Oh boy, I am. But I'm wondering if I'm having he, a hard time with the fact right. that he's a 9/11 truther. That's I'm, I'm
0: wondering with when he was doing this if he was had any idea that it was followed the timeline of what 9/11 would be the whole sequence and everything, or if it's just something he came up with not realize if he subconsciously did it.
2: I'm wondering if he really knew what he was
0: doing.
1: Oh, I'm sure he knew exactly what he was doing.
0: Even if
2: though he doesn't well, believe it? It's hard to say, right? Do you remember The Onion had an article shortly after? Wait, Maybe well, hang on. To-
1: Mom might be confused. 9-11 truthers believe it was an inside government operation. That's Eight. what a truther B- is. He believes that it happened. In- yeah, it's Bush did nine eleven kind of stuff. Yeah, it's not a, it's not, it's not a gag. Yeah, that's what a nine eleven truther is. Right. It's not that they don't believe that two buildings fell down. That would be well, I'm sure there are. No, there are. I've oh, I've those, seen that side of those
2: exist too. Oh yeah, boy. those are the flat earther types. No, it's the people for who can't. You're talking, mom, about them having not realizing certain things uh, subconsciously. What they don't realize is that they are subconsciously creating a world that they find more comfortable, which is that the government is hyper-competent and evil and did this and hid it from us, as opposed to the government is incompetent and let it happen, which is the actual truth. Yeah,
1: Yeah. and there's a a term for this. Like, it's the same people who are the uh, conspiracy theorists about JFK and all that. I can't remember what it's called, but their brains can't process that level of evil in the world, so there has to be something, some sort of conspiracy big brother type thing. What's interesting you bring up JFK
2: I remember you you guys remember the quantum leap episode of JFK
1: one of the best episodes of that show yeah the two but do partner. you remember
2: what do you remember what happens when they finally if there were, you know, there's a they, they wait around and all the conspiracy stuff and then eventually come down to Oswald shot alone
1: huh. they do long done yeah
2: and and they but they talk about like why all these you know, i think Sam no Al says to Sam like people are terrified by the idea that one guy could kill the president right so they come up with these conspiracies because it must be bigger. It's just too scary that one guy got away with mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he did not get away with it, but you know, he was shot dead himself. And I think it's anyway. We were wading into a really deep and murky waters, but I just it's we've
1: really it's become still, the anti Joe Rogan podcast right now.
2: Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> this, but let me tell you about these supplements I've been taking. Mm-hmm. I've uh,
1: taken horse tranquilizer and shoved
2: it up my nose. The other day when I was in my MMA ring Um, God, what a douchebag Anyway, yeah So it is a a, a whole other extra layer of icky And the Nibiru I knew about the 9-11 stuff before But the Nibiru thing Is where I really went There was some weird stuff going on in this writer's room God
1: I wonder if this was part of the falling out Uh, Maybe That Abrams just got tired of You know uh, What is it? 12 years after 9-11 still being like, but you gotta understand the government did it, man. I imagine, I don't know where Robert Orsi hails from originally, but all 9-11 truthers have that exact cadence in my brain. (laughs) Hey, man, the government, they're after us. Yeah. Khan crashes vengeance into downtown San Francisco
0: in an attempt to destroy Starfleet headquarters, mm. while McCoy discovers that Khan's blood has regenerative properties that may save Kirk, thanks to my favorite Star Trek, <laughs> but also,
1: get that thing off the ship, because we know Tribbles are born pregnant. If it's alive... Oh. It's going to take over the ship. Oh, but I love them. They're so cute.
0: Spock pursues Khan through the city, and the two engage in hand-to-hand combat. Uhura beams down and stuns Khan about a dozen times. Yeah, that's cool. Pre- <laughs> yeah, pa- Spock prepares to kill Khan, but Uhura stops him. He's and- our
3: only chance to save Kirk.
1: He decides not to kill Khan, but he comes pretty damn close with an uppercut to the nose. Like, that's that's a pretty if if- Vulcans have extra human strength, which is shown throughout this film. That's why it's Spock versus Khan two superhumans when he uppercuts him like that, that's a way to take the The sepsis here and just right into the brain like that's a kill shot
0: But he's his bones are strong. His sepsis
1: is very strong. Uh, I don't know. That's whatever. Oh, don't be so melodramatic You're barely dead
0: Khan's blood revives Kirk, and Khan is sealed in his cryogenic pod and stored with his compatriots.
1: To be brought back in the sequel.
0: Yep, right. And we don't know where they are. They're they're over by Area 51.
1: They're where the Ark of the Covenant is. uh...
0: Oh, yeah, that's right. One year later, Kirk speaks at Enterprise's rededication ceremony. The Enterprise crew embarks on a five-year exploratory mission. The end.
1: This movie is saying that... Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. Its a five-year mission to explore a strange new worlds, seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. The is one. the at this point it's man. Yeah. This is the captain's oath. Yeah, that was weird. What?
2: He, he says one. He says he one. Says oh, one that's I'm true. He does.
1: Oh. But at this point, it was it technically was man. But I I could well, I could understand like. Uh, strange new worlds at the end of the first first or second episode when pike says to explore a strange new worlds to seek out new life and new civilizations to boldly go where no man has gone before the way he delivers that i went can i sign up for starfleet right now i i am sold on this mission now yeah
2: i did not need that to have like an in universe name it's just a thing that people sometimes say over over the credits, in, that's it. In universe, that's all it needs to be, guys. Well,
1: in universe, it's what Cochran says when they're. Um, it's on Enterprise.
2: Oh, is it? Oh, it's yeah. something okay. that
1: Cochrane says when they're doing some sort of dedication. It might be Starfleet Headquarters when they're dedic- when they're when they're christening Starfleet Headquarters. He only says the um, uh, to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no one has gone before. Fine. If that's the co- captain's oath, great. I don't need the first part because it is is it space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship insert your starship in this section. <laughs> no, like yeah. <laughs> it's it's yeah, because a stupid stuff. ending to this film. Yeah, and
2: they don't all have they don't all have five-year missions as is explained by the fact that these guys are like they've never done it before. I mean, I don't know.
1: It's a bit, it's it's a it's a crap ending to a not great Star Trek film.
2: <laughs> <laughs> did
0: you see what happened with the um, Mark Orand, the developer of the Klingon language? No. He provided Klingon dialogues with onset coaching from constructed language experts. The dialogue did not make cohesive sense following editing, and so new dialogue was constructed and dubbed during post production.
1: Doopsie doopsie.
0: And I, I after I read that, I kept looking at Hora's mouth when she was doing her thing, and I, and it, you could see it. But it was just weird. Again, yeah, they were writing
2: mean, in reverse.
1: A hundred percent.
2: But also, they were like not caring about like logical connective tissue, like we were talking about, like with this. Well, let's just get there, and we don't really care how. And I did read that at some point in production, this was originally reconceived as as being a retelling of Heart of Darkness, which I don't know if you recall, that was the idea behind the original idea for, like, Insurrection. They were going to do Heart of Darkness. Apparently, that is, like, the only book screenwriters have read, <laughs> is Heart of Darkness. <laughs> Let's do Heart of Darkness. Why? I've read it.
1: That's...
0: Well, I guess there was a big brouhaha about what they were going to title this this
2: one. Ooh, well, what they titled it makes no sense. Well,
0: Abrams said he didn't want a number. And Lindor said... Right. There have been more conversations about what they're going to call it that went into, than went into actually shooting it.
1: There's well, this no movie w- started uh, pre-production without a finished script, so yeah. clearly Paramount didn't give two farts about which way it went. Yeah, there's yeah. no
0: word that comes after the colon after Star Wars. That's cool.
1: That's literally not true. It's
0: just weird.
1: <laughs> Wait a minute. Hang on. Who said that? Who said there's no... Lindorff.
2: no? In those... There's no word that comes after the colon after Star Trek that's cool. I saw that same quote. Yeah. Um, oh,
1: uh, you said Star Wars because I'm like, I'm sorry. no, there literally is. It's Star Wars, Star episode, Trek. whatever.
0: I'm, I'm, not um, that Star Trek Insurrection or First Contact aren't good titles. It's just that everything that people are turned off about when it comes to Trek is represented by the colon.
1: Yeah, I think that they—that's they had bad um, information there. I get. I, mean, I get. Abrams don't want to number it because what does it get numbered? Does it get numbered post-generation movies, or is it now Star Twelve. Trek Two, or is it what is it? And uh, mm-hmm. I, I get that, but the fact that there's not a colon, the actual title of this movie is Star Trek Into Darkness. That's how you would say that Star Trek Into Darkness. Star Trek Into Darkness. Star Trek Into Darkness, not Star yeah. Trek Colon Into Darkness. You know, it's yeah, not, you
2: you you just if you were going to get rid of the colon, you just could not have the next word after Trek be a preposition. It just doesn't
1: work. The same. The, you know, the next one doesn't work either. Star Trek Beyond. Beyond what? <laughs> no. See that. Does, that's at least vaguer. I mean, I guess at one point this
2: was called Star Trek Vengeance, which Star Trek. It's definitely not Khan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's funny because of course remember it was the Vengeance of Khan. Uh huh. Yeah. And then that, it was the Revenge of... of Khan. Oh, okay. Well, so it was. The Vengeance of Khan, and then it was Revenge of Khan, and then they found out that re- the third Star Wars was Revenge of the Jedi, and so they changed it to Wrath of Khan, and then of course they never they changed Revenge of the Jedi to Return of the Jedi.
1: <laughs> Wrath of Khan is a, is just cooler. Yeah, it is. That's a good that's <laughs> for a both good of one. them, and and Jedi shouldn't be seeking revenge. So uh, uh. yeah, but yeah,
2: the title the title is weird, and but it, the title it also just got... go. Uh, it's the, you got that title. You got that big old dark ship. You got the gray uniforms. It's just like, it's a sort of adolescent idea of like dark and serious. Uh, you know, it's Lego Batman's idea of what it means to be dark and serious. And it's just very. I work only in black and sometimes
1: very dark gray.
2: Uh, you look at moments of Star Trek that have dealt with. Moral ambiguity, and they don't—they don't have to wrap themselves in so many like weird signifiers and call themselves into
1: darkness. I would say it's, that insurrection does a better job with moral ambiguity than this movie does.
0: Mm-hmm. Were, were you talking about Heart of Darkness a while ago?
2: Yes, yes, the Conrad novel.
0: Yeah, I guess originally oh. conceived as the retelling of Heart of Darkness by Conrad, Kurtzman and Orsi. Ar- defined the main theme of Into Darkness as, how far will we go to extract vengeance and justice on an enemy that scares us? How far should we go from our values? They added that running from personal values is a personal struggle. Where the enemy's blood is within us, we are the enemy. We must not succumb to it. We are the
2: same. I would love to have seen that movie, but that's yeah, not none the
1: movie of, n- none of that happens in this Great, film. Yeah, yeah.
2: Well, it does for five seconds, right? Like, Kirk is is driven by vengeance
1: for five seconds. But Marcus is driven by vengeance, and nobody ever says to him, Sir, you are going against a fundamental base of the Federation in this action. They're just well, like,
2: I th- you're I th- under arrest. No, I mean, I think Kirk does. I think Kirk kind of says that you know, in one way or another, but I guess my point is, is that if you want to make a movie about the temptation to like go too far in the pursuit of an enemy and, and vengeance and whatever, then like somebody would should have said to Marcus, "I get what you're doing. I get it. I feel it too." Marcus is just such a cartoonish heavy mm-hmm. that you don't. You know, I hate to say this because it would it would have been an even grosser violation of canon and and you know, but. If they really, really wanted to make a movie about the temptation to go too far after being attacked, it's no Marcus, it should have been Pike. It should have been jam, warm, authoritative, morally centered Christopher Pike as played wonderfully by Bruce Greenwood has actually been putting together all this this horrible stuff for the past year and a half or whatever. After, after and, the
1: events of the first and, Star Trek and, movie, and, yeah. And when it's
2: revealed, you go, is he right? Is he right? I mean, it's Pike, is he right? And then you go, no, of course he isn't. But here you never, there's no moment where you in the audience or even anybody in the thing goes, is is Marcus right? No. As soon as they know what he's doing, they're like, oh, he's the bad guy. Right. Okay. <laughs> Proceed everybody as if he is the
1: bad guy. Yeah. Like I said, <laughs> as soon as he said he's working with Section 31, I'm like, bad guy. Got it. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. But but
2: you know Section Thirty One not to spoil too much for you mom on Deep Space Nine how's that going by the way <laughs> she hasn't she's given up <laughs> <No>. <laughs> you know Section Thirty One is the bad guy on uh, but they're a bad guy that they they're tempted to use and work with you know uh, the main uh, the
1: main person that plays the kind of liaison for Section Thirty One on Deep Space Nine is William Sadler
2: oh William Sadler yeah yeah
1: so that should get the the bad guy from uh, die hard with a vengeance mom always mm. plays a bad guy
2: He's yeah. a classic hey, that guy actor um, yeah the, the movie does not have the courage of its convictions to be a serious you know discussion of like the very real temptation that otherwise good people and good societies have to lash out in vengeance and you know throw their weight around and, and corrupt themselves in the pursuit of security. Um, it doesn't. It just doesn't get anywhere near that. It it. It's a very thin schmear on top of a a, a big honking dumb action film sequence. <laughs> yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah.
0: There's some, there were some things that were told about when they went and did um, where they went on shows to promote it uh-huh. uh, on May tenth, Cumberbatch, who. T- who told Fallon that his fans were called Cumberbitches. Yeah. Fallon countered that his are called foul pals.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, kudos to Benedict Cumberbatch. He's he, I believe it was on Graham Norton where it was brought up again. And he's like, you have to come up with a new name for yourselves. This is completely inappropriate to call yourselves bitches. And I'm like, good for you. (laughs) Yeah.
0: There was also there was evidently there was some, a lot of joking going on and and uh, one of the cast members told during the promotion concerned an offset prank, initially devised by Peg,
1: uh-huh.
0: which he later noted grew out of proportion. You're smiling. Do you know what this is about?
1: Oh yeah, <laughs> it's great. While it's film- on the it's on the uh, it's on the extras. If you have a physical copy of this, no, oh, okay. it's on the extras. Go ahead.
0: While filming at the national. Ignition Facility, Peg and Pine, with the crew's help, tricked the arriving actors into believing there was ambient radiation at the location (laughs) and they had to wear neutron cream to avoid being burned by it. Cumberbatch was tricked into signing a release which was meant to give the joke away, but he signed it without reading it. <laughs> While Urban and Troy were tricked into recording a public service announcement about the necessity of the neuron cream. I mean, I just can't. <laughs> just.
1: that, that, that just, doesn't tell you everything about Chris Pine and Simon Pegg, I don't know what else that oh is. Yeah, I mean,
0: definitely, definitely, definitely.
1: Yeah, uh, and, and, and they, like, on it, it shows, like, the progression of it, and then finally it's, like, Pine and Peg being, like, we have to tell Benedict. <laughs> if we, don't, if we don't know how he's going to react to this. <laughs> and he reacts perfectly fine. He, he finds it funny, and he's like, oh, you, ha, ha, ha you know. But there may have been a reaction in front of the camera. Maybe when the camera's off, like, are you kidding me? You made me wear this on my face?
0: <laughs> a lot of people really liked Benedict. Um, He's a great
1: actor. Well, That's the they, problem. He's wasted his, in this his, movie.
0: His performance attracted praise from the critics. Peter Travers of Rolling Stone called it a tour de farce to reckon with. And his character's a villain of the ages. And there was one, John John Romney of the independent noted Cumberbatch's voice, saying it was so, oh, I'm not going to be able to pronounce this. Melephilus? No, sup, sup S e p u l c h r a l l. Resonant <laughs> that it could have been synthesized from the combined timbers of Ian McKellen, Patrick Stewart, and Alan Rickman holding an elocution mm. contest down the well.
2: Mm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think we, I think the thing is, he'd been in movies before, but this is this is the beginning of him being a movie star. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. This is where his career as a movie star begins. I still think has more interesting places to go. Do you guys see Power of the Dog?
1: Yes. I did not. I did not. Oh, he's oh, great. It's great, it and he's great. He's so
2: good. He's a terrific actor. He really is, and and I hope you know, I like him in, in the MCU and as Stephen Strange, but I hope he gets to do all sorts of really other interesting well, stuff. No, you I haven't mean, seen
1: Doctor Strange too, so don't.
2: <laughs> I'll see it later this month.
1: Ugh. Um,
2: My last note, Needs more Chekhov.
1: Needs more Chekhov. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Chekhov. Poor, poor Anton Yelchin gets like nothing really to do except run around with those goggles on. Yeah, his Yeah, but face he saves and- Kirk and and. Yeah, but he doesn't he actually just, it, like, he's underutilized as an
1: actor. Oh, yeah. Like, there's nothing. I believe he saved, he saves Kirk and Gotti because they went, oh, hey, you know who hasn't done anything in a while in this film? Check off. Yeah. <laughs> I, if I recall, he gets a little bit more to do in the next film. But, yeah, um, and that's sad because he's so good. It's in sad
2: because <sighs> it's his last one, yeah. But um even the people who are underused, him and, and you know, I i can't remember if I've seen Alice even anything else, but. Like, it's a poorly written role, and he's yeah. there mostly to just kind of be... Comic relief. Oh, oh,
1: well, I was going to say ogled. Yeah, but, she's um, like the comic honeypot.
2: Yeah, it's it's weird. It's gross.
1: Um, but, but
2: you know, the actors are good in it. Yeah. I, that is still the saving grace for this this series, which, you know, I, watching this did make me... You know, I, I know last time I, uh, I was not super into Star Trek 09, the the first the first New Trek mm-hmm. film, it's certainly a better movie than this. It's funny because I remember liking it more and then I watched it and was like, ooh, why did I think I like this movie more? <laughs> and then I watched this and I went, right, because I'm comparing it to this movie, which I don't like at all.
1: And I think that's why I'm excited if we get an actual Star Trek Four with this cast with a new set of writers and a new director, because we are in an age where actors who were are good actors who were in projects where we're like, man, the way they portray the character was great. But the script was terrible. We're getting them to come back and do movies again. I personally don't think so, but uh, you know, a lot of people are excited about Michael Keaton coming back. Uh, if you haven't seen uh, Spider-Man: No Way Home, this is your own fault at this point. But we get uh, all three Spider-Men's together, and Spider-Man, spider like, together,
2: spiders, spiders man. It's like Attorney's General,
1: Attorney's General. Yeah, it's Spider-Man. And I, no. personally, I'm I'm happy we've got uh, we got Andrew Garfield. Field back, because he's... Uh, he- yeah, he was, yeah, he was fun in that. I, yeah, I think it would be nice
2: if they do make the fourth, if they do a, sort of, do a little bit of what they did for like Thor Ragnarok, which is be like, we don't have to make the sequel so much like the other ones. We can yep. kind of reinvent things and, and go... I still am not sure they'll ever make a fourth one, but I, I'd be interested in watching, especially... Now, Mom, you have not
1: seen the, the next film, right, Beyond?
0: I don't think
2: so. With Jayla,
1: together. with who? Jayla. She almost looks like the aliens at the beginning of this movie. Uh, she has white skin and she's got black markings on her face, um, and she's uh, she, she she she's annoying. <laughs> I'm well, gonna, I'll watch it. I, I don't it know when now.
0: we're going to record again, but I'll watch it.
2: But when shall we three meet again I don't
0: know but we mm. we need to get it in because if I get a closing date I don't know what's gonna what's gonna be happening so I may not have yeah. time to watch it it's so.
2: not a bad not a
1: bad idea not a bad um, idea.
2: anyway should we uh should got we some put some
1: should we put this thing to bed yeah um I I think I uh, we all know what the answer to number one is
2: is this a good movie
1: no no certain parts of it are good but overall no it's not it, yeah. it's not like Star Trek 5 where it was a Bad movie, but watchable this 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 was a chore to watch. I'd like the performers, but I'd, I'll if I want to see these actors play these roles in a better film, I'll go watch Star Trek. Oh, nine. Yeah. It's just uh, OK. Um, <laughs> is this a good Star Trek film? No, no, no. Would you recommend this as someone's intro to track? Absolutely not. Are they really into otters?
3: <laughs>
2: no, no. It's um, no. I would not recommend this as a. You know. Oh, did we? F-
1: we did all it- froze.
2: Casey? Oh no, I didn't freeze. Face- oh, there we are. Mom didn't freeze. Face- there you right. are. You you froze, and we froze for you. You froze a while a while ago. Cold fusion. It was cold fusion. <laughs> Oh, we didn't talk about the cars.
1: Oh, go ahead. Put this back in where the. No, I'll put it here. Why are there,
2: why are there cars?
1: <laughs> when we have transportation? Yeah.
2: Why are there cars? When we well, have the,
1: transporters? The first
0: guy that blew up the thing, he drove a car.
1: Why? Why? They're transporters. Just tra- they transport. Literally, in the next movie, you're just going to see people transporting all over the place. It's well, such.
2: Just, why would you possibly keep. It's just such a failure of imagination to keep. Car, yeah, but they don't have wheels, that, so you know, no, but who, who cares? What, why you don't need Why because they look you know, cool, if you, mm. yeah, that's why they're there <laughs> for the same reason that there's that Kirk drives a car into the canyon that somehow exists in Iowa in the first movie. Oh, like, yeah. it's just they like fast cars. It's just, you
1: know, it's, and it, it's also like levels of cars. Now it's a very, you know, 21st century thought process on it. Well, yes. I mean, some people will be able to afford having transporters to go everywhere, but you know, th- but meanwhile, we all know that money doesn't exist anymore.
2: Right. Well, but you know, of course, what those cars run on. To- cold fusion. <laughs> <laughs> That's what cold fusion is. Sure. That's what this whole society... Literally, the whole society runs on cold fusion. That's why it's like a post-scarcity <gasps> okay, the here's, world. Okay. Here's, right? here's...
0: Maybe some people... Oh boy. ...like bones... Don't want to be transported everywhere.
2: Then they can take a bus. Like, that's the thing. Is <laughs> Mass just... transit should be the only thing I think. There. So there's no, you got buses, you got trains, <laughs> you got transports. It's just the car does, is, it's just funny because I, I was thinking about it today as I was driving in the car. We are projecting the car further into the future than it has existed now.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Human society existed without individual modes of transportation like a car for a long time
1: yeah you know
2: anyway yeah it's
1: anyway it's
2: it's stupid why are there cars
1: again this one's pretty obvious uh kirk drift status update i think the threesome with the two cat ladies at the beginning of this film puts us exactly where we need to be for where kirk is let's see that
2: makes it that makes it sound like he like burst in on the women from Arsenic and
1: Old Lace and seduce them. <laughs> no, and listen, I'm not here to kink shame anybody if that's how, if that's your thing. I'm, not, flirt I'm not your gonna, boat. Yeah, I'm not going to yuck your yum. Go right ahead. Yeah, I
2: mean, and he's just, he's he's flirting with women as he walks across the, the thing and he hits on every woman he sees.
1: Uh, yeah, after he loses the Enterprise, he's drowning his sorrows in the bar and a pretty lady walks up and he's like, hello. I'm like, weren't you sad ten seconds ago? Yeah, it's Yeah, the Kirk drift of it all is is pretty bad. Yeah. Moment you would cut. The last 20 minutes
0: of
2: the film.
1: That's fair. That's fair. I would cut Alice even her underwear. (laughs) And
2: mine is the first moment of the last 20 minutes of the film. It's the con screen. (laughs) We didn't talk about the the Kirk death, we just didn't get into that. But, boy, that's the moment when I started really hating this movie. The first time, and I remember how much I hated it this last time, is when they just decide to just be like, Hey, remember that thing where Spock died? Look at that. We, we, we turned it upside down, huh? Yeah, but huh? Spock you see?
0: Spock had skin falling off his face. Kirk sure. remained very pretty.
1: Well, they're not the, going to mess up uh, Chris Prine's pretty, well, pretty, well, pretty face. That's exactly the thought well, process and, there.
2: And this is the cinematography moment I was talking about. Remember how that was shot? Mm-hmm. You you had a, this great... It was shot so that it looked like a reflection, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You had Kirk and Spock, and it was as if they were mirrored at, at each other.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Right? You had both in the frame at the same time. You can picture it because that's incredibly famous moment of film, right? It, and it's such a nice composition. And here it's just... One shot back one shot went back. They just keep doing yeah. one shots back and forth of their faces. They do nothing with it You know cinematography cinematography wise and it just it's just it's like it might as well be two people sitting and talking over coffee
0: and did you notice when Kirk puts his hand up and Spock puts his hand up like this
2: yeah. yeah, he does.
0: And the, then for those of you at home, Let, live long and prosper. Yeah. And yeah, no, I'm sorry, people um, can't see me, again Thank
2: God. Nope. No, it's just it's unearned. They they don't have that friendship here. I like him. I mean, I kind of love the moment where he says, "Spock, I'm scared." Like the actors again yeah. do a good job with it, but yeah. then he screams Khan, which is just it is just there. Because it,
1: Kirk screamed "Con" in Wrath of Khan. It,
2: it is one step removed from J.J. Abrams leaning into the frame and saying, Huh? Huh? You see what I did there? Like, it's just so... It's such
1: just painfully bad nerd bait. That, oh, I mean, that shot, Mom, the shot that you were talking about with the hands was heavily in all the marketing for this film which made all the nerds go okay so this is Wrath of Khan got it like yeah it's Khan and, and the thing that nobody could figure out was that it's Kirk that's in there we're all like oh Spock's going to die Quinto's going to get a great death scene and it's going to be great um yeah it just oof, oof
2: yeah that's the scene i remember going okay this is that movie you know mm-hmm. like they're going to and then and then again if he died and stayed dead, for at least a movie, at least until the next movie. I would have been like, "It's not exactly original, but you, but the fact that he comes back t- in ten minutes makes uh, because they cure death. They cure. Well,
0: he was only a little dead. dead. Remember, Bone says you were only a little dead. He's mostly oh, dead. Oh yeah,
2: uh, mo- you're only mostly <laughs> dead. To a yeah, to um, blade.
1: <laughs> thank you. <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah, I know. I mean, he was out. of They get him in that cryo thing, but he seems to have been like room temperature for about <laughs> about twenty five minutes.
1: Uh, well, but uh, he, uh, Scotty says we can't go in there until the. It's the same thing from Wrath of Khan. You can't right, go right. in there; you'll flood the whole compartment, kill us all, kind of thing.
2: And then he clo- yeah, but, I mean, Then he just, closes the door. So when Spock comes back in Star Trek Three, it's. Like it's very, it's portrayed as very special circumstances, and his body is resurrected, but they also have to put his katra back in. <laughs> yep. Here it just seems like, well, he just he he just comes back and he's the exact same person. There's absolutely no we. They've solved the mystery of like does human consciousness exist in the body or outside? It just it just goes to sleep when you die and then comes back if you can resurrect the body. It's like yeah,
1: it's. Ugh. Uh, I don't know, it's okay, so uh the Admiral status actor is it Benedict?
2: yeah, yeah, he is better at what acting
0: at but, but <laughs> you know the death scene with Bruce Greenwood was pretty good too, yeah, Bruce I Greenwood love Greenwood. the way he died I mean he and he was good in the bar scene. I, I mean, like Bruce was, Greenwood I, in everything It wasn't Admiral status, but I thought he was pretty good
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So he wasn't Admiral No, I, yeah, and I'm now, I'm now I came up with that on the fly, but I'm like Now being like, wow, what a great movie this would have been If they'd had the balls to just make Bruce Greenwood the villain After him being the good guy in the first one Mm-hmm yeah. You know, it really could, I mean, it, they could have Really thrown people for a loop
1: That's a great theory yep. I really like that Damn. All
2: right. My work here's done. Thank you. <laughs>
1: um, re- recommended episode pairings, uh, Spacey. I, I
2: don't know anything about this. <laughs> go,
1: go watch a better version of God. <laughs>
2: oh, yeah. Right. Uh, huh.
1: No. In
2: the pale moonlight. Oh. You want to see Star Trek Damn. wrestle with moral ambiguity in times of war? Season six? Right, Casey? Season six of Deep
1: Space Nine. Yep. In the pale moonlight.
2: In the pale moonlight. Yeah. A absolute tour de force for Avery Brooks. And a, a, mm-hmm. a true exploration of the temptation to take the dark
1: road to victory. Also, uh, much like my questioning of Peter Weller's pronunciation of Harrison, it has one of the silliest moments, unintentionally silly moments, in all of Deep Space Nine. It's a fake. Do yeah. you not remember this? No, I actually haven't seen it in years, and now oh, I'm probably going to have to go rewatch God. it. <laughs> when you get to that moment, you go, oh. <laughs> Literally is the line reading. The guy holds up something. I won't say what it is. And just goes, it's a Fake. And it's this deep, like, moral ambiguity, almost spy espionage episode. And that's the line reading they decided to put in the final episode. And you're just kind of like, we couldn't get another take? Was this guy, like, had a tight out in five and this was the last thing he did? What's happening? Okay. Um, we're all in agreement that now that we're ranking the movies again because we're in a new timeline... Star Trek 2009 is better than this movie, right? I, I think so, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yep. All right. Uh, so that is all we have for our pen ultimate episode, everybody. We only got one more, and that is uh, Star Trek Beyond belief that that's the script they used for that movie. That's, that's the new title for that one. Um, uh, Colin, where can people find you in subspace uh, social media?
2: Um, my handle on the Blue Bird app is at role of Colin Ryan on uh, the big boat. Go ahead. Unless Elon Musk has bought it by this point, in which case I may be gone.
1: Uh, no, he, that was all a publicity stunt. It, it is like pretty, like, pretty like his entire career.
0: Yeah, he just told yeah. all of his employees, "Come back to work or quit."
1: And yet he's not coming into the office. so. Um, but he doesn't yeah. have to.
0: Rank hath his privileges. R-H-I-T.
1: It doesn't stop the guy rank. from being a... fun. Yes, he is Yeah, rank. yeah he sure Nicely is. Nicely done. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am on the Big Blue Bird app as uh, not Ryan Casey. On the picture uh, one, I am not dot Ryan Casey. The podcast itself has its own... Uh, big Blue Bird app uh, handle, which is where no mom pod. Mm-hmm. Mom.
0: I'm just, in the 19th century. You're,
1: you're,
2: you're running. You're 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 run silent. Run deep.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and with that, we will see you next month for Star Trek Beyond. And yeah. we have been,
0: and ever shall be your podcast.